0: Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. I'm not Ian McKinnon, um, as you might have guessed from The Voice. I think the Broncos' early season form has seen him retreat to a croft on St Kilda with no internet, so they can't hurt him anymore. Actuality, he's on holiday for a couple of weeks. I think he's hunting down whatever NFL official didn't call a pass interference on Benjamin St. Just. But we'll get to that. I have the pleasure and the privilege tonight to talk to two fine men about the week two action and preview the week three action. Joining me is uh, Dave Stornoway Boy Somerville. How are you doing tonight?
1: I feel like I've gone on the wrong podcast, and I'm waiting, <laughs> I'm waiting for a certain uh, Rich from the Long Snapper to completely berate me about a certain game that may have occurred uh, that I definitely missed, <laughs> but uh, I am very happy to be here as always, buddy, and welcome to your first guest appearance as the host, so it's, it's good to have you.
0: It's an odd arrangement, but I'm happy to help where I can, and uh, joining us is uh, Jake Martin McGee. How are you this evening, Jake?
2: I'm not too bad at all, this is trying to make do without our, our captain, so we've drafted in, drafted in another one to look after us and stay the ship. Yeah, the, that
0: veteran free agent that's just hovering <laughs> around waiting for uh, $4 million from the Browns to cover an injury, it's how we go. <laughs> oh,
1: well, welcome Matt Ryan, there we go.
0: <laughs> oh, I've been called no worse, but that's oh, where that's I going. <laughs> <laughs> I, like to think I, have, I like to think I could beat him in a foot race at least. All right. Here we are. We'll uh, talk about the week two games in a second, but first we should go through some NFL news. Dave, what's been on happening this week outside of the games?
1: A lot, mate. To be honest, but uh, you know we've got we've got a restructured contract for Pat Mahomes, and they're basically giving him two hundred two hundred ten million over the next four seasons to make make it a bit more nicer on the eyes for him and. A lot more upfront money, but also that I think the deal is gonna be most likely renegotiated um in either twenty twenty six or twenty twenty eight. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, but you know, it's that that that's gonna happen anyway. And he's very successful at Kansas City. We're not anticipating any trades. Uh but yeah, it 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 bumps him up from like 119th in the order of paid quarterbacks uh, back up to closer to the top where he belongs. Um, But I think we we were talking off air, the amount of injuries that have been happening in the league uh, this weekend, the the week before have been astronomical. Um, I think the worst one has gone very wide on social media with Nick Chubb with a horrific knee injury and it's the one that he did injure a few years ago as well where i think he had a triple ligament tear um which i can only imagine how bad that is because I, i've had one tear in my life myself and it was one of the most painful things i've ever experienced so having a triple one and then of course whatever damage he's done to his knee this time so you, you don't wish that upon anybody. Uh, but other people that are on injury reserve, uh, Lions uh, safety Chancy uh, Gardner Johnson, he's got a serious pectoral injury um, that's most likely season-ending in- as well. Um, they've also got uh, someone else. Uh, uh, they've got someone else on uh, injury reserve. James Houston, that's the one. on their edge Russia. He'll, he's got an ankle fracture. Uh, he'll be out 68 weeks minimum. So, and then you've got other wide-ranging. Um, like kind of veterans, especially Buddha Baker of the Cardinals is on IR, uh, as is Deontay Johnson of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they're one of their key wide receivers, especially last year, is on IR, and Shaq Thompson of the Panthers has got a serious ankle injury. Uh, he's definitely out for the rest of the season, but they're looking at what long-term damage uh, it could be. Uh, but yeah, it's just injury. Hell across the league, and I don't. I, I, I honestly don't. We, we, there was a lot of uh, comments after week one about Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, playing on uh, the the dodgy surface. But these guys, it's it's pretty 50 on where it's grass or turf or whatever. I don't see any kind of link. But that's a, that. Those are a lot of injuries for a lot of very athletic athletes uh, to, be, to be honest I don't see the key I, I, don't, I don't see any kind of um, pattern except from the game has been played the way it's meant to be played but um, yeah I don't know what you guys think about it but is there any kind of pattern that's obvious because i am not seen it to be honest
0: No it's just a lot of very highly productive players going down so it's the sort of names you don't want to see you getting lost but I guess it's the chance for your guys like Jerome Ford to step up into the limelight and start to win their own slice of, uh, slice of the pie which is good the worst one for me this week I think was Shaq Thompson's, not in terms of the severity of the injury but the stupidity of the injury because it happened when one of his teammates threw an offensive lineman onto the back of his foot in a fit of rage after the play had basically finished mm. And that sort of preventable one is really going to be a gut punch or um, well, avoidable one I suppose yeah, no pattern to them, as you say, just the ferocity of the play, which was high this week. There's a lot of kind of chaotic encounters, which we'll come on to in the reviews. Any thoughts of any on, that, on any of that from you, Jake?
2: Well, just last week I, I was very up against this, you know, everyone coming up against the turf, and it was the turf's fault. But if you've got a bad, you know, a pattern is if you've got a bad calf, you're probably going to tear your Achilles. I would be very nervous if I'm the Bengals, which go borrow. Because if he does his Achilles, it wouldn't surprise me because he's got a bad calf. Um, with the Nick Chubb one, I think you know it's a bad injury when your division, you know, rivals, hated, kind of foes, Pittsburgh Steeler fans at home are cheering Chubb, Chubb, Chubb. You know, uh, that's that to me straight away is like, well, bad season over. Is if the, the Steeler fans are you know cheering for him and showing their support, it's classy, but it's also like, well, that's not good in any way, shape, or form for him going forward. It's just, honestly, it feels like you're looking out for two things. You obviously want a new team to win, but you just don't want them to sustain any kind of long-term injuries that are just going to ruin your season. Because even if you win a game like the Jets last week, you knew straight away, well, that's pretty much the season over and done with, even though we got the win.
0: It's a damning indictment on the drop-off to Zach Wilson, but it's probably true. Yeah the the audible intake of breath when they showed the replay on the big screen in the Steelers game was just horrible and they at the same time are saying oh we're not going to show you it's too horrific but you can hear how horrific it is from the uh the noise of the crowd. Oh. The um Mahomes contract on the other hand, I guess good news for him. I was wondering is this uh um like a, a, th- a thank you for the Chiefs for carrying that offence even more than he has had to in recent seasons? Or is it a little like, look, we know at the moment you've got either receivers who can run or receivers who can catch and none that can do both. If we can just do this little restructure, we'll get you an extra guy in who can run and catch as a little tree.
2: I, I took it as uh, we're going to wait for Joe Burrow to get his contract, become the highest paid quarterback and then adjust yours so it's more so that we can say we got one over since Cincinnati. <laughs> and, and i mean pat mahomes is getting paid what he should be paid and all they did was like move the money forward basically and like dave says they'll re-look into it in a, a couple of years and he'll get paid again because he's patrick mahomes um so it was good for them they didn't really pay him any more money they just moved it forward he gets paid what he wants he wants up um Burrow, borrow and not that Joe needs any more bad news but to me it kind of just made sense and it was like yeah why wasn't this done kind of after the first year, they probably have been like, "We need to relook into this."
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 hard to say that a contract that big is what someone's worth. But when you look at the other ones floating around the place, you're right; it's worth a little bit more than that. If that's where the benchmark is, that's where the benchmark is. As eye-watering an amount of money as that is for uh, mere mortals like us,
1: I think it's a lot a lot to do with um, market value. You know, the the the, the market dictates allegedly, what uh, you know, a starting franchise quarterback is worth. Obviously, there are some exceptions to the rules and I think we've covered them in the last few weeks. Very detailed and uh, borderline aggressive in some cases. But the, Mahomes is the best quarterback. There's no doubt about it. He, and uh, looking at the way that the market's gone, especially in the last 12 months, he's, he's not getting paid what he's worth according to the market. But this gives them still that little benchmark, that little kind of breathing room so that they're not completely constricted by this contract. But at the same time, Mahomes does get a very nice bunch of money brought forward. So it's there's no complaints from I think, the wider general NFL audience that this has happened. Um, and Mahomes seems very happy uh, with it. So, I, I think it's it's just all round good because it it's it, it reflects a bit more anyway the importance of the Chiefs but then there's also a bit of wriggle room, you know, three uh, three, four, five years down the line. Maybe they do want to part ways, maybe something happens to Mahomes. It's not it's not unthinkable or that maybe it's you know, they have a he has a bad run runner form. It's very unlikely. But it's not unthinkable. So I, I think it's just an all round good one and not a Daniel Jones contract.
0: Well, quite, yes. I mean, hopefully for the rest of us, they stuff enough money in his pockets to slow him down enough for us to tackle him at some point, because that was few and far between on Sunday, as we'll uh, yeah, see in the next yeah. segment. <laughs> Any further news, or we be heading into uh, the week two
2: review?
1: Uh, Cam Akers is available. That's all I have to say on that. <laughs>
2: and nobody wants him still.
1: Nobody wants him, but Cam he's available. Um, oh, there was actually the uh, XFL and the USFL are in um, negotiations to basically combine and become one big. I don't, I don't well, well, depends depends on your viewpoint what what one big what they are, but uh, they they are to combine and become one big organization. Um, so you never know, maybe Cam Makers has a future there or in the Canadian Football League or. I don't know, I think at some point I saw the Scandin- there's a Scandinavian football league as well, so he might have a future there. If there's any trading possibilities whatsoever that the Rams are not paying 99% of his salary like he- they've done with a couple other players for uh, the rest of the season, I'm very open to it because I think Kyron Williams is a very good co- uh, running back. So someone please take him.
0: <laughs> someone will think they can polish him back to his uh, initial seat, initial career promise I'm sure yeah the, the merge is an interesting one it never really made sense to have two competing summer leagues kind of overlapping so probably for the benefit of both of them if they can pull all of that together forwards and yeah, I quite enjoyed some of it over this summer so uh, yeah let's see what the combined package looks like next year Okay, well I think that wraps up the news. Let's head ourselves into the week 2 previews. Previews. One of those views. <laughs> the uh, we opened on Thursday night football at Lincoln Financial Field where 69,879 people watched the Philadelphia Eagles overcome the Minnesota Vikings 34 to 28. Eagles took the lead with a field goal on their first drive and there was no further scoring in a really scrappy first quarter. Teams traded turnovers and Philadelphia missed a field goal. Minnesota eventually took the lead thanks to a 62-yard drive ending and a TJ Hawkinson touchdown. They took the lead back on the next drive with a classic one-yard quarterback sneak which has everybody trying to imitate it. And uh, capitalised on multiple Vikings turnovers to build a lead which the Vikings could never overcome. And I think the final result looks a little bit closer than it actually felt with a little bit of late junk time stat padding from Kirk Cousins. Um, Dave, what were your thoughts on this one? I,
1: I think, if I remember rightly, I said, uh, in, well, well, my thoughts were that the Eagles were going to get uh, score a lot of points and then just kind of... Shift back and settle later in the game, I said, that seems to be their way that since the start of last season, and they did that, but i think they did they were just a little bit stump stumbly out the blocks so like you said, it was a really scrappy first quarter, and it, there was only j k late's field goal. uh he, I, he actually missed one if I remember rightly as well um but yeah i mean it would, they they were they they got that uh field goal on uh, touchdown just before halftime as well you know uh, Jalen Hurts again with another run in uh, run but uh you know they, they I think Jalen Hurts is very very good at what he does however he does seem to relax just a little bit too much in the middle and towards the end of games and I think we did see that with the Vikings coming back uh particularly uh in the fourth quarter you know they put put up fourteen points on uh the eagles um but I really like DeAndre Swift in this game. he was one of my favorite players, and he he's just showing that he is a very high valued uh, running back and what his potential is so yeah i i, I mean i'm not, i'm not not the biggest vikings fan I'm not the biggest Kirk cousins fan but um yeah they 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 were there was you can see the gulf between the two, so it was a deserved win for the Eagles, in my opinion. But the Vikings need to find something else. Hawkinson was very promising as well, so he made some really good catches. Um, but yeah, DeAndre Swift, pretty good.
0: Um, a pretty, pretty much a standout performer in this one. Yeah, you're right about Swift. I was surprised when the Lions let him go and you could see the rest of the league going dope. Don't let him go to the Eagles. Oh no! Oh. Yeah, Miles Sanders out, DeAndre
1: Swift in. That's yeah. No,
0: thank you. Seamless. So, uh, Jake, did you enjoy this one? What were your thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, I've got a slightly different view. I thought the Vikings had a good game, especially the first half. They had the Philly fans booing um, the Eagles in week two, which is always interesting. I mean, the Flores mm-hmm. defense was was looking good, and at worst, they should have been going in ten. A piece at halftime could have even been fourteen to ten, but then because of the the Jefferson fumble into the, well, you know, the touchback, so they lose the ball. Um, say I was ten seven. Eagles then proceed to run all over them. They ran forty eight times for so two hundred fifty nine yards, three touchdowns. We saw the Philly scrum for two touchdowns and a fourth down conversion, which I'm sure everybody enjoys watching. Um, and then everybody keeps saying, "Well, we need to ban it." Well, no one else can do it, so you can't really ban it just because of one team, because other teams have tried it and have fallen over before even getting to the ball and, and false starting, Jordan Love. Um, another quarterback's line up behind the right guard. So not everyone can do it. The, I think this is a game of kind of the, the number two receivers with Smith going 4 for 131 and a touchdown, John Anderson having another game, 3 for 72 and a touchdowns. But really the way I see it is the Eagles kind of without playing their best, they're 2-0. and And the Vikings, quite opposite, keep on shooting themselves in the foot. They're, they're 0-2. But this isn't one game. This is for both games. They are 26 rushes for 69 yards, six fumbles and an interception. I mean, they are just shooting themselves in the foot. Who That's needs Dalvin so Cook?
1: Look no, one, no one needs Dalvin Cook, do they? Uh, yeah, it's you know definitely not worth paying whatsoever. Uh, to get you know a Pro Bowler, multiple Pro Bowler uh, in the backfield there. Um, I mean, do they have? I, they've just got no run game. I'm sorry to say, I, I've got nothing against Madsen. He he just was he's just not been good enough the first two weeks anyway. He's really been in the spotlight, but for the wrong reasons. So do they? I, do you know what? I think the only way that they can improve is if they trade for Cam Akers. That is the only way that they can get out of this qualm with their run game. So, yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan, it would, we'd all be asleep by the time they did a 100-meter dash uh, race between the two of them. So they've got, they don't even have a quarterback that's got any movement whatsoever. So, yeah, that's a uh, can-makers to the Vikings. I want this to happen.
2: Just <laughs> Dalvin Cook went four, four carries for seven yards this week, so I don't think... It would have made too much of a difference. Well, yeah,
1: very different. Very different. It's it's very different when you're uh, the star man for the franchise you've been with for years and years. And then you go and you've got Zach Wilson at quarterback, which, yeah, we'll, we'll come to that, but the less said, the better.
0: You you would look on the face of it and think, we've got Justin Jefferson making 11 catches for 160-odd yards, held A.J. Brown to just the four for 29, so 28 points, maybe that'll be enough. Four sacks as well on the day, it's not a bad haul, but not enough in Classics Viking style. And to finish it out with that, I mean, technically a Hail Mary, but a Hail Mary like 30 yards short of the end zone, I'm not sure, counts. Like, if that's as far as you can get it, you'd think something more innovative. Because if you're not throwing your Hail Mary and hitting the end zone, it's very unlikely to score, apart from one odd insane play, which we'll come on to. Any other thoughts on this one before we move on to the next one? I don't
2: think so. Not, really. not just, for myself. Run. Running the ball nine times in a game isn't going to win it. And that would be my takeaway. <laughs>
1: Oh, Daniel Hunter as well, well was a standard performer as well because I know it's three sacks by him uh, and yeah, he, he was just a force to be reckoned with there, so uh, the, the, there's, there's potential there it is there, they just don't seem to gel together very well uh, and I think they just came up against a very good side
0: Yes, yeah, so Some uh, room for improvement for the Eagles but they already look dangerous and a lot of room for improvement for the Vikings and they need to do it quickly before they get out of touch in that division. Fortunate perhaps that they're in that division because it could be a much harder way back from uh, some of the others. We move on then to Nissan Stadium where 67,438 people watched the Tennessee Titans pick up an overtime win 27-24 to 24 against the LA Chargers, including my friends Greg and Jesse. Welcome back to the UK, guys. Dave, take us through this one.
1: Well, this, this was... Uh, I'm trying to think of nice words because, I mean, the Titans... They haven't won since November. The last time they won was against Green Bay and it was they it was like they were trying to lose. Uh but they did have a little bit of a comeback uh, as well. But in the end Nick Folk kicking a 41-yard field goal in overtime in some sort of weird downpour that I thought it was in Scotland uh, at that point and to they beat the Chargers by 27 points, 24. But um I'm I'm going to put it, put it out there and say that last week Ryan Tannehill had the worst game of his career. I th- and I I think it if it's not it's definitely one of the top couple. Um, but you know, he, he threw for two hundred forty six yards. Um, uh, you know, he basically put Tennessee 24-21 up. He had a four yard touchdown pass to Nick Westbrook Um he also ran in a touchdown uh, and started the game-winning drive with a 49-yard toss to Chris Moore. So that was quite interesting. On the other side of the ball, uh, Justin Herbert threw for 305 yards and two touchdowns to Keenan Allen. Um, but uh, he was also sacked with 2.22 left by Harold Landry, who was finally seemed to turn up for the Titans. Um, but it forced the Chargers to settle for a field goal uh, by Cameron Dicker, the kicker, who's a legend on this show. Uh, and forced the game to overtime, but it was the Titans. And the uh, 16-year veteran Nick Folk was his 13th career-winning kick uh, in a game uh, to basically get the Titans' first win in months and months, so technically about 10 months uh, that they've won a game. So, um, yeah, the Chargers, one, one thing that I took from the game as well, the Chargers have now lost five games, understandably, when leading by 10 points or more uh, and that's tied for the second most in the NFL since 2021 and Baltimore is actually top of that was six. So my take on this is that two good teams who are playing terrible tried to outbeat each other. Take of that what <laughs> you will. But that is pretty much as accurate as I can get get it. Tannehill, bad but played okay. Herbert Good played okay. Not many others did, but uh, yeah, somehow the, the Titans managed to win. And I'm I'm still not, I'm not quite sure how to be honest. There, there was a lot of uh, mistakes, but there was a lot of really good play. It was one of these just swinging games uh, where there was very few consistent areas. But Chargers came out on uh, sorry, the, the Chargers did not come out on top. Um, and uh, the, the the sort of key for me over the course was that. The only kind of consistency was that the Titans were pretty steady with their drives, their, their game management. They managed to score in all, except the first quarter, was, it was only 3-0 in the first quarter to the Chargers. Uh, but the Titans, they scored in every single quarter, whereas the Chargers were patchy. I mean, they got 11 points. I'm I mean, pretty sure it was like a... Um, but uh, Yeah, it was 11, 11 points in the second quarter they got. But we came out after halftime. Not a whole lot on show. Fourth quarter, they managed to get there, and obviously they got the uh, field goal from uh, Dicker. It wasn't enough in the end. The Titans get away, and they win. They're one and one. And the Rams' little sisters, the Chargers, 0-2, I'm afraid. So, yeah, <laughs> let's go Rams.
0: Can never resist the little dig. It, it felt like a classic performance on both sides uh where- the it, not a Chargers. classic
1: good performance
0: yes yeah no no a classic on brand so mm-hmm. charges flattering to deceive putting up some big numbers but not big enough and the titans eric henry 25 carries for 80 yards out carrying and out yarding the entirety of the uh charges and just grinding out and doing enough to pick up that win and certainly as a fellow afc south uh fan of a fellow AFC Southside, it was a sort of performance that you don't want to see Tennessee putting up. I was really hoping they'd
2: stay like they played in week one. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: What were your thoughts on this one, Jake? My main thought is I would like to preface it by saying you should never hope someone loses their job uh but if the chargers ever want to be anything they need to fire brandon staley immediately um he's just not he's a great defensive coach and i'm sure in the future he will probably become another great defensive coordinator he's not a head coach he's certainly not an offensive coach uh justin herbert's last four games he's 1,130 130 yards 282 average Seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, 65.9 completion percent. They are 0 4. They are finding ways to lose. They're finding ways to waste talent. I mean, look at their receiving core, their tight end, their running back. That offense is stacked. And they're just finding ways to lose games. And frankly, I'm kind of sick of it because I don't take the Chargers seriously. They don't have their own stadium. They don't have their own fans. And they don't have a head coach who's good enough, in my opinion. So until they do have any of that I just try not to pay too much attention to them
0: certainly his post-game press conference meltdown suggests he's feeling the pressure and uh yeah it's baffling that a side that's stacked with offensive weapons can struggle as much as they do at times on offense and you know going three and out to one of the very few titans three and outs they've had this season at the end at the first possession of overtime really just threw the game into Tennessee's hands and All they had to do was grind out uh, themselves into field goal range and finish it off, and they're more than capable of doing that against that defence. So, yes, Titans move to one and one joint top of the division, and uh, the Chargers wallow away at the bottom of their uh, division with uh, Denver, who we'll come on to next. Anything else to add on this game, though, before we move on?
1: Chargers (laughs) suck.
0: Titans suck. That's (laughs) <laughs> That's pretty big <laughs> We hope we don't see any more of either of you, lovely. All right, so we move on then to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where the Atlanta Falcons came from behind to see off the Green Bay Packers twenty-five to twenty-four in front of sixty-nine thousand two hundred and fifty-one fans. Jake, what did you see in this one?
2: What I saw, and not being biased, is that the Packers threw this game in multitude of ways. It was frankly impressive. On the opening drive, they don't call a timeout on a 51-yard field goal. So then it's a 56-yard field goal indoors with a rookie kicker with a good leg, and they pump the ball, which is questionable. Uh, and their last three possessions, they managed 11 yards, zero first downs. Love went over 6. He had a the new take on a butt fumble, where they went to sneak it on a 4th and 1, or 4th and inches, and he just fell over and to the points where the ref were like well that's a false start you can't just fall into your offensive line and before he's even snapped the ball so it just false falls down
0: concussion protocol <laughs> yeah,
2: and just embarrassment but um they had two incredibly easy interceptions dropped quay walker and jay alexander they're basically gifts and they just threw them away uh, one of them could have been pick six like uh, desmond ridder again did not impress me in any way shape form I, i'm really respect the falcons kind of defense their running game but whilst they've got ridder at quarterback i'm not overly concerned about them they missed an extra point up uh, when it was 10-9 falcons and looking at the score 25-24 it almost came back to bite them so they kind of got away with one there we had a drake london sighting. he is alive we can call off the police uh, he went to six for 67 and a touchdown they still didn't really use Carl Pitts at all uh, but Bijan Robinson, nineteen hundred twenty-four Russian, four forty-eight in the air. Uh, I, I noted his cut is nightmare fuel, and then the Falcons just released the video of it from above. And if you've not seen it, you have to go see it. I can't believe I'm promoting the Falcons' Twitter account. That is upsetting, um, but it is is disgusting. His his cut is just phenomenal. I would not want to be able. You know, if I'm a linebacker, I just I'm faking a hamstring injury or something. I'm not. I'm not. It would be less embarrassing if I just fall over than get absolutely destroyed by a rookie running back. And then (laughs) the other kind of thing is there's lots of injuries for the Packers. I I certainly understand that. Uh, But Jaden Reed stepped up. He went fourth, 37, and two touchdowns. And then just the the fourth down efficiency. It was 0-1 for the Packers with a a very embarrassing kind of false start. And then the the Falcons, on the other hand, went 3-4. They kind of went for it twice, I think, on the the last drive. Their last drive to kind of milk some clock and get within field goal range, and it really paid off. I wasn't sure if they were going to go for it again um, with, like, 50 seconds left and, like, completely kill the game, but they took the smarter and safer option, kicked the field goal, and they, the Packers could not get into field goal range, and Falcons kind of go ahead. They get a big win, and the Packers... If they had won this, they could have kind of licked their wounds with their injuries and lived by another day. But to, to have the injuries and to lose a game like this, is, it's, it's a double whammy of bad.
0: Yeah, it's a tough ask for any side to do without your wide receiver one and your running back one, particularly when you're a quarterback in the very early stages of his career as a starter. Dave, what were your thoughts on this one?
1: I, pretty much Jake, Jake's rounded up very nicely because Desmond Ritter, bad. Bijan Robinson... Really good, uh, Jordan Love questionable, but you know, he, he did manage to get three touchdowns, uh, which it's it's not to be uh, sniffed about. But, um, John, I mean, he was 14 of 25, uh, for 100, 151 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Desmond Ritter was 19 of 32 for 237 yards. But I tell you what, anyone going up against the Falcons are not... They, they won't want to face the Falcons this year because the amount of time that they have the ball for is quite phenomenal because the, uh, between Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, 35 carries for 172 yards uh, between the two of them. Now, Ridder in that time also had 32 attempts uh, through the air and he also had 10 rushes. That's a lot of snaps. And that Green Bay defense were they they must be sore and tired uh, for the this, the entirety of this week, particularly Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell, because they had between the two of them thirty one tackles. That's just not fair. That, that that shouldn't be allowed. They should be sort of protecting their best players at the same time. But they they just had no reply. Really, the like Jake said, the Packers should have won this and i think they, they were good they, they they were bad in the fourth quarter they were pretty decent for the majority of the uh, the game but yeah jordan glove has a few questions i think the next couple of weeks it will be his opportunity to answer but i think the packers need to get their run game going because aj, AJ dylan just there wasn't much to offer from him there um he managed to get fifty-five yards, but it was from fifteen carries, which isn't exactly it's it's less than four yards per carry, which is not what you want to see. Um the only thing I did like about Jordan Love was that he was trying to target a wide range of wide receivers. Um whereas Desmond Ritter was kind of core to like to Drake London, Mac Collins. Uh you know, he, he targeted Pits five times as well, but only completed two. Uh Jonas Smith as well. Had uh, four receptions for 47 yards, and Bijan Robinson seems to be their kind of central third-down running back. So, if the Falcons really focus on their run game and maybe save Desmond Ritter for a few surprise play actions, and that I think they could actually have a really successful season. So, um, yeah, Packers questionable, Falcons you know, quarterback questionable, but Falcons go two and zero, which. I didn't really see myself uh, happening uh, this early in the season, so it's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, it's good. I mean, you feel like you know what you're going to get from the Falcons. Whether you can stop it is another question as they smash it down your throat. And it's going to take a good, solid defense coupled with a high-powered offense to overcome a team like that. So you think they pick up more wins and losses over the course of the season, whether they can challenge any With any depth into the postseason, is another question. But, yeah, they're looking solid and decent and certainly better than I expected coming into this season. So, fair play to them. And uh, I'm enjoying Arthur Smith slowly gathering his old Titans mates. You mentioned Johnny Smith there. Uh, it's, It's funny how that sort of gathers and moves around the league together. Okay, so that was Falcons Green Bay. Let's move on to... Buffalo 38, Las Vegas Raiders 10, watched by 71,772 people at Orchard Park. This was a... well, I don't know, and it, it, it was a fun game to watch if you weren't a Raiders fan, although the Raiders took the lead, scoring a touchdown on the first drive, but then proceeded to go scoreless for 35 minutes for the end of the game, allowed Buffalo to romp off to victory in a dominant second-half display. They won the turnover battle three to nil. It just overpowered a Raiders side. And it feels like if you can control Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, the Raiders don't have anything else. And that's what happened on the day. Um, overpowered. They took away that area middle behind the line of scrimmage that Jimmy likes to target with his crosses. And uh, Matt Milano was a menace. and. Yeah, Buffalo, having looked a little bit ropey in Week One, back to uh, better form this week and uh, looking more like their fearsome self with no uh, Josh Allen madness. Jake, what were your thoughts on this one?
2: Well, it's just uh, the box score alone is very odd reading. I mean, like you said, Josh Jacobs, he went nine for minus two with an average of zero point min- minus point zero two. That's that's frankly impressive. Uh, the fanciest nightmare. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, Trey Tucker went one for thirty-four. That was kind of the bright spark. They had one good rush. Um, time of possession, interceptions. kind of it was just a domination. Really, they four forty minutes of of, dom- uh, of play time possession over double the first downs. Won the turnover battle. It was just a very complete victory for the Buffalo Bills. And something I think, like you said, they kind of needed after a, a ropey. Questionable week one, i have put some of those questions to bed. It was only Las Vegas, but still, a win is a win.
0: <laughs> I realised once again everybody is falling over themselves to hand the Chiefs the division win, as if the Chiefs need any help in that department. Dave, did you enjoy this game? What were your thoughts on it?
1: I mean, it was just back to vintage Josh Allen, I would say, because he, he was on target so much. I mean, every time he threw to Stephon Diggs, Diggs caught it. it was a reception uh, every time he threw at all. I think it seemed to say it seemed to me that he was it was completed. I think it was thirty one and thirty seven for two hundred seventy four yards. Uh, he was sacked a couple of times, but um, you know that we we know about that Raiders defensive line. It's pretty powerful. Um, you know, especially with people like Max Crosby. He wasn't one of the ones that got the sack, but I think there's been so much focus on him uh, that it's. The, the, it gives the opportunity for other guys to step up, and yeah, just to echo what Jake was saying, especially about Josh Jacobs. That there was no run game uh, for the Raiders. Apart, there was maybe two two decent runs in the entire game, but they didn't try. They, did, I mean, again, the Bill the Bills had the ball for the majority of the game, but when the Raiders had the ball, they didn't really hand it off. Josh Jacobs, like Jake said, nine for minus two yards, um, and he was actually the second. Uh, most completed well, most completions in the receiving game as well. Five receptions, fifty-one yards. Um, I don't. I think this is just the kind of downside of uh, you know, I'm going to call him Josh Patriots because he's he just seems to be half good at something. He's either good on offense or good in defense. It's never both. So in this case, it's just he's just terrible uh you in know. this game i think <laughs> he's very yes yeah, that's that's pretty much what i was going for there but i was trying to me nice for once in my life but um I a bit of a shout out as well to james cook because he had 17 carries for 123 yards didn't get a touchdown but he was pretty he, he set up josh allen a lot um i mean they, they had a lot of snaps uh to be on offense as well but james cook putting putting in 100 yards uh, plus in the game, and also I think he got four four receptions for thirty six yards. So at least one of the Cook brothers was quite successful in this one.
2: <laughs> it was a bit of a fantasy matchup nightmare, though, because you've got a running back, and I've got a lot of stock in James Cook in my eighteen fantasy leagues. And every time they got down to the red zone, they handed the ball off to Damien Harris or Latavius Murray. So James Cook did all the work, and then they got to finish off. And you're thinking, I really could use those extra points. In one of my 18 different fantasy leagues over four accounts over three apps, yes, I have a problem. This is a cry for help.
0: <laughs> At least it's a free problem. Yeah, yeah it was uh, It's it's difficult if you're the Raiders to think how many games you're going to win with less than 20 minutes possession and less than 40 offensive series, and certainly not against an offense as good as the Bills are. Um, it's worrying for the rest of the league if they've managed to build in that kind of reliable running game alongside the rest of their weapons, because that was the thing that really held them back in recent seasons, that threat to take you away from the other aspects of the game that need defending. Um, Stephon Diggs is hard enough to defend as it is without them having an effective run game to go with it. So, yeah, they uh, the Bills bounced back and um, looking good for their fans. Um, although catching the Dolphins in that division is going to be a tough one so they're going to be uh, having to fight for wildcard slots maybe and that's uh, a tough competition in the AFC Any other thoughts on this one or we'll move on?
1: For the sake of Raiders fans maybe we should move on, they've (laughs) suffered enough
0: Yeah, all Raiders fans Okay, well, we move on to Ford Field where, talking of poor fans, 66,434 people were disappointed to see Detroit go down 31-37 to the Seattle Seahawks. Dave, take us through this one.
1: This was a painful one for me because I think everyone knows that when the Rams aren't playing, I've adopted the Detroit Lions as my number two. And the very next week after the Rams... With a miraculous, brilliant win over the Seattle Seafrauds, the Lions are next up for, the, for them. And, I mean, the, the, I, I think... Would the, I should not have burst out laughing when Jared Goff threw his interception. Now, the reason that I shouldn't have is because he was 30 completions shy of Aaron Rodgers' NFL record. Uh, with, with his first interception three hundred and eighty-three attempts, which
2: I am sorry, Detroit,
1: that's on me. <laughs> yeah, so that I, that I, mean, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to mention Jake's random stat last week, but I don't think it's your fault. I, I just think it's Jared Goff. He finally, the real Jared Goff, finally showed up. Um, but you know what? Apart, they, they still they played amazing. Uh, in the game, and obviously, they had some injuries as well as compare with. But I think this, the standout, even early on, especially was Kenneth Walker because this, this Seattle would not have had any kind of running yards whatsoever if Kenneth Walker wasn't there because he, he is his running was 17 17 carries, 43 yards, however, some some of those. Where he was fighting for yards after initial contact, so that could easily be seventeen carry seventeen yards. It was, it, it it was it was good to see that a running back was appreciated. The problem is financially, maybe not so much, but you know that's by the by. Geno Smith, uh, he, he, he did well under pressure. I'll, re, I'll really give him that. He did really well under pressure. Uh, I mean, DK and Tyler Lockett were just fantastic, but. Gino Smith was throwing it about the place. You know, uh, DK with a good few uh, skillful catches. Tyler Lockett, uh, Russell Wilson's classic kind of uh, ever-reliable receiver out there. No fan got a good few catches, and um, they've got that uh, wide receiver rookie uh, Jackson Smith in in Jigba, who I, I I don't really like. But anyway. Uh, yeah, Jameer Gibbs did really well for the Lions uh, on offense. Um, they, 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 there was a couple, there was a couple of fumbles. Uh, David Montgomery uh, getting one of his standard kind of season fumbles, and Amaraeane Brown also uh, lost one as well. But Josh Reynolds had a really good game, so I'm glad to see that he's doing well. Amaraeane Brown was the most targeted Well, well, actually, I say that Amaraeane Brown was the most targeted wide receiver, but Jameer Gibbs was targeted nine times in that game by Goff, and he had 7 of 39 to go with his 7 carries for only 17 yards. So so they shut down most of the running game uh, for the Lions, which I think, uh, if, if the Lions had a run game in that one, they could have had 50 points. It, it was just that, that kind of game. It was, if you're going to score, I'm going to score, and we're going to score again, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm... The, the, basically what happened was that uh, they, the Lions they, 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 came, they came back from a 10-point deficit. It was 31-21 in the fourth quarter, uh, and the Lions managed to come back and force overtime. However, unfortunately, the Seahawks then uh, get a touchdown uh, in overtime, and it was Geno Smith to Tyler a locket. Obviously, Mister Ever Reliable, but uh, golf going twenty-eight or thirty-five for three hundred twenty-three yards, three touchdowns, but that one costly pick, which pick which picked his record as well. So uh, that that was such a shame to see. But uh, yeah, and and uh, sorry, I did I didn't say that Trey Brown actually returned it for eight pick six. So that is the story of that game, and. Aaron Rodgers finally has something to celebrate, that his record is still
2: intact. (laughs) If if you're going to throw your first interception in, you know, forever, he might well go for a pick six. I I think the most notable thing from this game to me was the egregious uh, intentional grounding flag to which Pete Carroll looked like he was about to have a stroke. And, you know, Smith was (laughs) trying to talk to the referee and he comes out with the coldest line ever stops his uh, announcement to say, listen, I'm talking to America here, all right? Oh, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm kind of a big deal right now, so if you want to give me my moment, um, you know, <laughs> it, it was a cold moment, it was a great moment, except for the fact that it was a terrible flag. Um, and the only other thing I had noted was on that final drive for the Seattle in regulation time, they were pinned in the, the, I think the, the 28-yard line. It wasn't too bad. Uh, they moved two yards on the first down. Uh, did nothing on the second down then the third down they took a penalty for offensive pass interference and then just before the two-minute warning do you know smith takes a 17-yard sack and i spoke last week about a rookie uh, cj Stroud, taking a terrible sack and you know it comes with experience and being a veteran you, you throw that away you you know you don't take that kind of sack taking a 17-yard sack uh, near a two-minute warning for, for absolutely no reason, just throw away the ball. It was going to be the two-minute warning no matter what. It wasn't a fact of keeping the clock running. You can't use that example of, oh, well, it was a smart so I kept the it, was, it was past the two-minute warning. It just was bizarre to me. It meant that the Lions had a, a much shorter field because the punt was 17 yards further back than it should have been. They go up and get a field goal. Thankfully, it wasn't costly for the, the Seahawks because they got the ball and they didn't give it back.
1: True. I I, I for Sorry, Pat, I was just gonna say that uh I, what, um what Jake was saying was uh, absolutely spot on about Geno Smith, but also I would add that the difference between CJ Stride and Geno Smith is ten years in the league. So that Geno Smith should definitely know better. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, did he, he he kinda had he thought he was uh, like he had the kind of spirit of Pat Mahomes within him uh, for about ten, twelve seconds there, and just at the funniest possible moment, the spirit left him. So I, th- I think that's pretty much the only thing that could possibly have been going through his head. Because I think uh, Pete Carroll just kind of was looking dumbfounded. Like, did that just really happen? Uh, that's just but- his face. All oh, right. Okay. It's very, it's very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> it's to- very difficult to tell. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's not often you see Pat Mahomes running backwards that far. It's normally uh, just a little pocket and then flushing up into little cracks that you don't want to see. But, uh, yeah, you would be
1: forgiven to think that Geno Smith was Zach Wilson there. But, uh, you know, I'm sure... That's we'll come, back, <laughs> <laughs> That's just, yeah, I, I think he thought he was Pat Mahomes, but he was closer to Zach Wilson. So there you go. That, that's why I think the sea
2: frauds, but they ca- somehow come away with the win. A rough pod for Zach Wilson and we've not even talked about the Jets yet.
1: Well, we don't know what's happened with the Jets yet, but uh, you you, you can take a guess who's going to be talking about that game.
0: I mean, in Zach's defence, closer to Zach Wilson than Pat Mahomes is about 20 NFL starting quarterbacks, so uh, it's a big field. It was, uh, yeah, a game very much with offences on top, 400 yards of offence each, and uh, 31 all with uh, the... Seahawks managing to stay nerveless and finish it off in overtime. And I'm sure that some people will be grumbling that the Lions should get a chance to answer. But, you know, there's the brakes. Stop them. They went 75 yards in five minutes. Stop them. Right. Let us move on then to... We move next to Energy Stadium, where 71,159 people watched the Texans lose, which they must be used to by now. 31-20 Thirty-one twenty to the Indianapolis Colts and uh, this game makes me feel a bit sick so I'm going to pass it on to Jake
2: well it's uh, mixed feelings on this one because Richardson looks legit um, but last week the kind of underlying thing we said is he's got to look after himself, got to protect himself don't want to see him get injured well he's left with a concussion, he's still within the concussion protocol so I don't even know if he's going to play this week um, but he had two Russian touchdowns was looking great. Um, On the second touchdown, he kind of gets clobbered, falls back on his butt, smacks his head off the turf, never want to see that. But he didn't report that. One, somehow nobody on the Colts uh, kind of noticed this uh, until two drives later when he kind of mentioned he was, you know, seeing stars and never returned to the lineup. So that's pretty concerning that, one, the Colts don't seem to be looking out for their their rookie quarterback, you know, the franchise, or what they hope to be the franchise quarterback. Um, and two that he has taken these kind of hits and already has a concussion and we saw with Tua last year one concussion if they rush back can quickly lead to, to two or three and it's really not a pretty picture now we had a bit of yeah, it doesn't Mania. say much to
0: the independent monitoring if they're uh, having to rely on the players to self-report six plays yes. and two drives later
2: I, on the first I, replay of it like, everyone saw it, it like, oh that looks a bit sore and then like after 10 minutes later you've seen the same replay and like oh he's out with a concussion it's like well yeah 10 minutes ago we all thought ow yeah,
1: I, it's serious tour vibes. I, I, I got serious tour two flashbacks there. And that's, it's just, you know, they're, they're saying that they're going to be focused on player safety. gonna be focused on the quarterback safety, uh, obviously on the concussion protocol. Where was that? Where was that until he was literally barely able to stay on his feet? That, that's ridiculous. So uh, another backward step for the NFL as per usual. But sorry, Jake, I'll let you go on before I go off no. on, a, on a Neosa-esque rant.
2: I think it's worth highlighting, like you say, all these cameras and all this view. and It is a bad look for the NFL, and it continues to be a bad look for them. But this game, going back to it, it was kind of just a battle of defenses. The Colts' defense, six sacks, ten tackles for loss, nine QB hits. Look at the Texans, no sacks, no tackle for loss. They hit the quarterback once. Just, they got nothing done. Um, The good news for Texans is CJ Shroud has more 300-yard passing games than Justin Fields already. Um, they need to do a better job of protecting him, as I mentioned there, with the, the Colts' D getting to him regularly. Uh, but they do have a, a weapon, and someone I've, I've spoken about over the last year or so, and I believe last week as well, Nico Collins, 7 for 146, and a touchdown. Going back to my fantasy teams, he did me a solid in quite a few of them. Um, but yeah, we, we could, be, could be in for a, another round of Minshew mania. He did, he did fine. He did exactly what you expect Carter Minshew to do. Um, didn't lose a game for them, kept them steady. It wouldn't surprise me if we see him again this week. If if Richardson's still in the concussion protocol, like I say, I think my own peace of mind, especially after Tua last year, I would much rather them kind of sit him a week, make sure he is good to go, than than rush him back and, you know, heaven forbid, get another one straight away.
0: Yeah, it looks like Minshew's a steady hand. Well, I know Minshew can be a steady hand. And and much as I don't like watching him play for the Colts, I do like watching him play because he's... Mm -hmm. He's more than just a game manager. He's a really gritty, competitive guy who uh, really tries to make the most of what he's got. And all right, he went two touchdowns second quarter and then nothing in the second half, really. Um, But at least didn't turn the ball over too much and let that pretty ferocious Colts defence carry them to a win against the Texans side who, despite picking first and second, look like they're going to be probably a top five pick next year as well. So
2: They don't own their first-round pick.
0: Oh, God, they don't. Their first-round yes. pick is with the Cardinals. So the
2: Cardinals might be picking one and two.
0: Oh, wow. Well, we'll see back-to-back years where that doesn't do anyone any good then. Excellent. Yes, it's uh, tough times for Texans fans, but they've got to be used to that by now. Um, I suppose on the plus side for them, they've got a number of receiving weapons starting to pick up good numbers. Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Tank Dell—all six, seven, six receptions over seventy yards each. So there's a semblance of a passing offense there starting to come together, and but uh, nothing on the ground really. Damien Pierce, thirty-one yards from fifteen carries, and that is so much worse than we saw at the start of his rookie career last year. So that drop-off is something that will concern them, and they'll need to address and. Probably starts with the offensive line play, I guess, which is, uh, yeah, it's not a a quick or easy fix usually, that sort of thing. So good futures for both quarterbacks um, if they can stop having to leave games injured and uh, long-term signs of concerns in my division. But hopefully not for the short term. We'll uh, see where we go with that. Any thoughts to add on this one, anyone?
1: Colts bad, Texans bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, perennially. <laughs> yeah. Right, so we move on to Paul Brown Stadium where the Baltimore Ravens beat the hometown Cincinnati Bengals 27-24 to stay perfect atop the division. And a big win this one, I think, given how much the... Bengals were fancied pre-season to retain the uh, division title, but the Ravens are really solid, um, and despite a rare Justin Tucker miss, miss, they had enough to uh, see off the Bengals, who still seem to be sputtering on offence and not looking as potent as uh, you'd expect them to. Well, they're getting back towards that. I think there was a lot of concern about how much the loss of J.K. Dobbins would hurt the Ravens, but the rest of that running stable just stepped up and filled in the gap like nothing was there. And uh, once uh, Burrow threw that interception, Geno Stone swiping it from the son of T. Higgins, it was uh, pretty much the Ravens' game from there. So, uh, signs of... Green shoots of recovery for the for the Bengals, but a tough loss for them um, in the in the division. You don't want to be losing those early and getting behind the eight ball in the first quarter of the division. How did you guys see this one? Well, for me, sorry, I was
1: just going to say, Jake, uh, that uh, Lamar, welcome, welcome to the league this year. Because I think he, I think he turned up. I think he had a really good game um, through the year. He, he was very good for. Lamar because uh, most people think that his weakness is through the air um, I think it's more just that because of what he can do on his feet that's what he can do through the air gets overlooked so I um, mean he, he was pretty good here he was uh, spraying the ball in different directions OBJ was a little quiet for my liking um, Zay Flowers made some very good grabs and Nelson Aguilar 5 reception for 6-3 yards and a touchdown Mark Andrews, the ever faithful, uh also was the other recipient of a Lamar Jackson touchdown. But um yeah, like you were saying about J.K. Dobbins, uh I mean Gus Edwards and Justice Hill uh came in and they, they were doing pretty well. They they've they've they seem to be really good in this uh Ravens system. Uh so I mean between between the two of them, not including uh Lamar. Um, they've they racked up over 100 yards, so that, that's pretty decent, and Gus Edwards also got his touchdown as well. On the other side of the ball, though, Joe Barrow is looking... Well, he's, he's not fully... We, we, we're we pretty sure he's not fully fit, and I, I think the Bengals should really consider whether maybe he should miss one week, uh, pre- preferably this week coming. Uh, I think that would be a fantastic <laughs> thing for him to do. I mean, I, I don't care who they put there, just as long as it's not Joe Burrow. Um, yeah, it, it's it's um, it was a it was a weird game to me. I I I, I think in the end Ravens kind of held on more than anything else, but um, yeah, Lamar Lamar did really well in that game, and I think he he was facing some critics because he didn't have the best opening game, but he came back strong in this one. So yeah, yeah Ravens are two and zero. Uh, And the Bengals are 0-2, which not many people predicted. So, yeah, I've missed the NFL, and season's underway with with unpredictable predictions.
2: The Bengals are (laughs) 0-2, just like they were last year, but I do feel it's different than last year. It's not a case of, oh, they were 0-2 last year, they'll be fine. They're 0-2 with a quarterback throwing off his back foot because he's hurt and limping off the field. It's... It is a worry, and we saw from week one where Gino Smith sees Aaron him and shouts out, oh my god. Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow will be shouting out, oh my god, next week. You're on a dodger calf and you're limping about. You don't want to see this tank of a human coming through the middle at you, so it wouldn't be the worst decision in the world to sit him. I don't think they will, because you pay him and he doesn't want to sit, but it's not positive for them. Uh, And then, on your point with the Ravens, I think, sadly, they're used to being without J.K. Dobbins, so they don't miss him as much as, as you think because they kind of have had to kind of live without him. And they've brought in Kenyon Drake for a bit more backup um, this week. So we'll just continue to to rotate the the running backs and make it work. And Lamar, I think, has just become smarter with his running. He's not relying on it. He is getting better at passing. And he, like I say, just is smarter with the running. He extended a couple of plays late on to move the chains and kind of kill the clock. And that's just what you want to see from a veteran quarterback who who's been around. He knows when to bring it out and when, you know, to maybe just take the sack or throw the ball away. You don't have to scramble every time, but late on, you want to move the chains. There's no real better quarterback. You kind of want running the ball if his first or second option aren't available.
0: Absolutely, it's it's been rare in recent seasons for the Ravens to have as many. Weapons in the passing game, as they seemed like they had in this one, you know, six different players with multiple receptions and uh, that level of threat helps their running game. If you're not as reliant on it, people can't stack the box against you quite as much. So I we, think that added variety s- to the offense really helps. Sorry, Pat,
1: just while I remember, because, you know, these, these kind of things just pop into my mind. Uh, we, we saw a very rare occurrence in this game in the first quarter. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, Justin Tucker missed field goal. He missed a field it was goal, sixty-one yards
2: or something, wasn't it? The, just, it was so ridiculous.
1: The, it, it doesn't matter what the yardage was. Justin Tucker, who's supposed to be the best kicker of all time, I, I think it was fifty Supposed to be. But, <laughs> he's supposed to be the best kicker <laughs> of all time. Misses, misses, and that could have cost them the game. One
2: job, Justin. God's sake!
1: It's, that's all he does. All oh. he does is kick a ball. <laughs> he just, you oh. know, he, he missed it. with kids sailing off to the right, so. Yeah, J- just Tucker, come on, up your game a bit. Come on, get back in it.
2: Other <laughs> well, than the Seahawks kicker, I sent a, a meme or a picture to you, to and where I was showing the Madden where he just aimed left, and I was like, <laughs> yep, was Jason one. Myers kicking this today. It wasn't even close. It was really like he had money on the Lions, which, you know, the Lions have got plenty, of, uh, experience have got plenty that of experience in got experience,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a hefty shank, that. It looked like my golf. It's <laughs> 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 just... Oh dear,
1: I would oh. I would say poor Justin Tucker, but he's not poor, and I think uh, you know his bank balance will reflect that.
0: And richer than the majority of running backs in recent times, apparently. Yes, so we'll move away from the uh, miserable, sad Bengals fans and uh, head to Raymond James Stadium, where sixty-two thousand nine hundred and seventy-six people watched their Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's the Bears 27-17, to 17. and I've got to say, I pilloried the Bucks pre-season, and they're 2-0, and so in my face, although they did only beat the Bears this week. So, uh, Jake, tell us about this one.
2: Not only the Bears on their 12th consecutive loss, which is a franchise record for a, a storied franchise as well, been around since the very start. So, to be setting records like that, not a great look, it's okay. They might win next week. They've only played in the Chiefs. Uh it, they're up they were up seven to three. They blocked a field goal. It was all looking good. I was messaging my family. Some of them are Bears fans. Like, okay, you're gonna do as a solid, you're gonna beat the Bucs. The Books, you know, week one was just a bit of a fluke. That defense is no fluke. That defense is, is ridiculous. They've got thirteen rookies, six of them undrafted. And just they are just bawling out on defense. I mean, Christian Isaiah, I think his name is. Izean, Isaiah. I'm going to go with Izean. Uh, he's only the fourth undrafted player to begin his career with back-to-back interceptions in the first two games. It, this, it looks like a close game, and the Bears did start quite well, but Tampa just won in every aspect of the game. They ran the ball better, they passed the ball better, which isn't hardly interesting fields, and their defense was <laughs> just better. It just was kind of a complete game for them. Chase Claypool, um, I will not apologize. I still think you're trash, I still don't think... Uh, anything of you I just realized you really hate Tampa Bay his last touchdown as a Steeler was against Tampa Bay and then his first as a bear all these weeks later was against Tampa Bay so he just really hates Florida I think um, but it's just Baker Mayfield third downs this year 20 of 23 201 yards three touchdowns no interceptions no sacks just f- clutch smart veteran quarterback play Uh, just proving people wrong continually. We've saw kind of been written off Browns, went to the Rams, picked up the playbook in about six minutes, won them a (laughs) game, now leading these books. And it is a a case of he just needs to be smart because that defense will win games. Mike Evans in a contract year going six for 171. He may still get traded to the Chiefs like I predicted, but either way he's going to get paid again. And the Bears, 16 of 67 rushing as a team. Fields, who's a running quarterback, a quarterback in a loose term, went four rushes for three yards. I mean, they just... They worry me. Their coach worries me. Their team worries me. Their quarterback, quote-unquote, worries me. And, you know, I think there's... The scoreline flatters him in a way. I really do think Tampa just deserved the win and played far, far better. Yes, never a good sign if your
0: run-first offense is outrushed by a single player in Rashard White. No offense to Rashard White, I mean, he had a good game. Dave, what were your thoughts on this one?
1: Only we had a Bears fan in the vicinity that could tell us what (laughs) the Bears uh, kind of feeling is in the camp but uh you know without that uh we'll have to make do with the baker mayfield fan club which is what we can now call this podcast because i have so much love for baker just give, giving me one moment of glamour and amazement in a season of woes last year so yeah i mean mike evans was fantastic and uh, it scares me to death that he could be uh wide receiver number one for pat mahomes that would just be not fair um the one bright spark for the bears though was dj moore um at wide receiver who picked up over 100 yards um dustin fields just every time he was close to getting out of the pocket was taken down vita Vea leads that defensive line and he was pretty much providing experience to some a lot of the guys around him but then you've got uh, players like levante david and devin white who are pretty lethal on that Tampa Bay defense, and then you've got the former Rams player Greg Gaines was uh, putting a lot of pressure on Justin Fields as well. But every time he went to the edge of the, the uh, you know, uh, well, but every time he went to make a move to run, he was brought down. So yeah, the Bears are not doing well. We thought they were going to pick up. Well, I thought they were going to pick up, uh, Khalil Herbert was shut down pretty quick. Uh, the running quarterback that Jake has just said about Justin Fields just wasn't running, and he's just not good enough through the air, I'm afraid, to uh, two picks, and he, he did get one touchdown. Chase Claypool was targeted eight times, and he was three for 36, so even though he was showing some effort, he just wasn't good enough, I'm afraid, so yeah, this is a worrying time again for the Bears, and the long-suffering Bears fans, it's almost rivaling the Raiders, but yeah, it's pretty tough to watch right now.
0: Yeah, Vita Feja is a menace down the middle, isn't he? And uh, when you get that level of disruption, it's really difficult for teams to handle. And certainly you don't want to see your quarterback taking six sacks. Um, net yardage of minus 39 on minus thirty nine on the ground, if you add his rushing onto the 42 he lost against sacks, it's... Yeah, You need more than that from a guy you've invested that much in terms of um, draft capital and the future of your franchise in. And it's looking increasingly likely that it won't be there, but as you say, the silver lining for the Bears is they finally got DJ Mawson Ball, and having signed him in a big splash in the off-season and uh, touted the excitement... All off season to barely use him in week one would have been a real kick in the teeth for Bears fans as if they needed any more so yeah
2: it's uh... running our teeth to kick
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh tough times indeed for Bears fans tough times okay talking about teeth kicking we move to State Farm Stadium where 62,080 people watched the Cardinals continue their tank in spectacular fashion against the New York Giants. And honestly, the New York Giants started the season 60 nil down in terms of points and still managed to pick up the win this week, scoring 31 points in the second half to come from behind 28-31, the final score. Um... I don't know what to say about this one. Like, you look at how the cards played and they were throwing themselves into everything first half. James Conner was looking good. Josh Dobbs had a ridiculous touchdown run. They got themselves 20 points to a up at half-time and somehow still conspired to lose to a Giants team who looked fairly wretched in week one, fairly wretched in that first half, but they finally started finding... Aaron Waller and getting some passing game going and Saquon Barkley's always a threat and uh, yeah, they clawed their way back into it and just overpowered the cards in the second half and it's going to be even worse for the Cardinals going forward without Buda Baker because the heart and soul of that secondary gets taken out of it after it's just shipped 31 second half points to lose a game it's tough sledding for the Cardinals, and uh, you know they know what they're aiming for um, in the front office anyway, and the realistic fans amongst them. Dave, what were your thoughts on this one?
1: I just I think this can be rounded up in one what cent- well, three words of garbage beats garbage because this was <laughs> just awful. Uh, this this game, like you said, the Cardinals had a good first half. And then disappeared quite very quite quickly, apart from um, one touchdown in the third. But and this there's a big but. They just they they're just not good enough. Um, you, I mean, you've got you've got players that have big reputations. Mar- Marquise Brown uh, being the main one with the big reputation on the offense. Uh, Josh Dobbs has kind of been thrown in there, but he's he's done pretty well for the. Yeah, and and he avoided a, a couple sacks as well. So uh, he it was there was some smart quarterback play there. However, on the other side of the ball, that first half that was just awful from the Giants. The, I mean, they they were just nothing. They they were worse than nothing at times. Um, Saquon Barkley obviously was a bit of a standout, but he, he, they still couldn't really get the run game going. Uh, Daniel Jones was. Decent on his feet, but I think he just kind of snapped up the opportunities of the bad Cardinals defense. <laughs> There's just not a whole lot to say about this game because it was just not something uh, worthy of my eyes, basically, as, as or anyone's eyes. To be honest. I mean, I, I feel sorry for those sixty-two thousand people that were in, um, <laughs> were in Glendale uh, at the State Farm Stadium. So. <sighs> yeah, I mean the Cardinals are going to be just picking whoever they want in the draft next year. The Giants are not going to be far behind them if they carry on the way they're going. Dino Jones is not justifying any kind of massive contract like he got. Saquon Barkley barely getting, just getting paid a little bit of a nice bonus. It's not very nice. Uh, Darren Waller did finally did, did finally sort of start getting targeted and turn up in the second half and. Somehow they want it. I, I mean, I don't even know how they want it. But Graham um, Gano's uh, field goal with about what twenty seconds left uh, was what separated the sizes in the end. Jan- should, judging on the first half, the Giants should have even been let into this game at all. The Cardinals should have so- done something uh, in that second half. So yeah, somehow the Giants are one and one. Um, the Cardinals are very justly zero two, and I don't expect them to recover.
2: No, I don't think it's going to get any better. They've got the Cowboys next week. I mean, I I think (laughs) what really happened was they were going into halftime and it flashed up that they had a 96.3% chance of winning this and the front office made a call and said, whoa, 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 we're not aiming to win. (laughs) We're not aiming to win. And it will surprise absolutely no one that when we were drafting games to cover, the team or the game left over was this game. Nobody was going to pick this game. It's it's not a rewatch. It's uh, barely a watch. And just to throw such a lead and lose, it's just frustrating because it's just clear that there's obviously (laughs) a difference in kind of the coaches and the players, I believe, are are playing. They're trying, but the front office probably are relieved Buda Baker's injured because it is looking likely that the Cardinals are going to draft one and two. And if I was Kyler Murray, I'd be putting my house on the market because there's no way you're drafting number one and two and you're not taking Caleb Williams or whatever other quarterback you want to take.
0: Mm, it seems that way, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, as I say, I saw some people describing this as a bounce back for the Giants. But I mean, I mean, I guess it is. They got some offense going, but playing what most people feel are the worst team in football, scraping a three point win, having been twenty points behind, and you're still bottom of your division. It's Giants fans would have been hoping for a return to the playoffs and a better fist of it this this year, and it looks like they've taken a backward step from that. And you know, we we all thought the big investment in Daniel Jones was more likely to take them backwards and forwards as a franchise, and that's what's looking like it's going to come to pass as we go forward into this season. But time will tell, I guess. Uh, We might all be eating our words next week. There seems to be a lot of that going around. I guess we move swiftly on from this one, since no one wanted to talk about it in the first (laughs) place, and uh, go to a game that only I'm the person who doesn't want to talk about. (laughs) We move to the last game of the early slate, conspicuous in its absence so far, in front of 69,615 people at the Everbank Stadium, City Chiefs dispatched the Jacksonville Jaguars 17-9 in a game I was about 50% pleased by because the defence and the special teams for the Jags was decent but we had no offence to speak of. The offensive line was in tatters. Um, Chris Jones had a 70 plus percent win rate on his pass rush which is about 50% better than anyone else in the leagues managed in a single game this season. It's a scary time to watch a Jaguars team who we were hoping would win the division and make a better fist of a playoff push and they couldn't get past a Chiefs side who didn't look that much better than their week one stumble against the Lions themselves really they're still working their way back into it Travis Kelsey was back when he looked at about 50% speed still managed to touchdown on a slowest um, Texas route I've ever seen behind, two linebackers who just stood there and let him lumber into the end zone it's um, yeah, tough times, Pat Mahomes is beautiful to watch unless he's against you in which case he's infuriating because he was sacked once and by sacks they held on to his feet until the refs blew the play dead um, as he tried to hand it off to an offensive lineman it was a strange incident but everything went the Jaguars way in this one apart from the offence, they got the lion's share of the penalty decisions they got some good turnovers and they just couldn't get anything going on offence, it was infuriating to watch at times and you know we've got some work to do there and as we talked about in previous games like offensive line isn't a quick fix we've got Cam Robinson coming back from suspension soon but he looked really ropey in pre-season so people hope that to be a silver lining Um, improvement immediately I worried that it's not. Um, in terms of the Chiefs, they had a bit better time with their receivers. It couldn't have got worse than week one. Um, Sky Moore, Justin Watson, a bit more reliable. Justin Watson is a, a deep threat, which uh, causes problems at times. Uh, but, yeah, we kind of went into this game thinking there's a chance this is a you know, a, a prequel to the AFC Championship game and it should be a really exciting one between two really good teams and we didn't get that. What we saw was two teams that looked like they might struggle to go 9 and 8. So I imagine from the uh, neutrals perspective it was quite a
2: disappointing one compared to what was expected. Is that right, Jake? Well, there was a lot of low over and unders last week, I noticed, but the, <laughs> the Chiefs Jaguars were set at 50. Everybody was kind of expecting fireworks and I, I didn't catch much of the game, but Christian Kirk being your highest rated quarterback is concerning, especially <laughs> for my Travel <Trevor> Lawrence MVP <laughs> race. Um, uh, Big, Bigsby, Tank Bigsby not touching the ball. Zay Jones going 0 for 6 targets is very concerning because he looked lights out week one. I mean, D. Ernest Johnson, you know, if you're not going to run Tank Bigsby, then run D. Ernest Johnson a bit more. He went for one. It, kind of the distribution worries me a little bit. You're know, obviously relying on Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, but. It didn't even look like Calvin Ridley got into the game that much. So that kind of worries me for the Jaguars. And what worries me for the Chiefs is they are really kind of slow to get going. Their weapons, I mean, Tony went 5-5 five five at least. He actually caught his passes. I kind of felt like from what I saw, they were forcing it to Kelsey because he was back and he's Kelsey. But he only went 4-26. for 26. He got the touchdown, obviously. But to me, it was a very confusing game. Um, like you say, I was kind of expecting some, you know, a shootout. A very high scoring game that would, even if the Jacksonville job was lost, it would help my MVP race. Um, it did not help my MVP race. It, it did serious damage to my MVP race, but it's a long season.
0: Yeah, it was a broken game from Lawrence, um, largely due to the amount of pressure he was under very mm-hmm. quickly. And we, we saw Kirk get a lot of kind of checklines over the middle, which hence 11 receptions for a decent amount of yardage. And that was. The one positive on offense, I think, given he was completely absent in week one, you're right about the run game. That was very disappointing, and they uh, they basically didn't seem to trust it, so they didn't go to it at all. They were just looking for ways to negate Chris Jones wrecking the game, and Carl um, Loftis had a good couple of plays as well. It was uh, yeah tough times back behind that offensive line. They also felt like they outsmarted themselves a little bit. They got a, a end zone defensive pass interference penalty and then tried some little kind of quarterback play fake boot um, to run it to the corner on first and goal from the one, lost three yards and then didn't have any more chances to just stuff it up the middle and try and get a big one in there. And when you've drafted Tank Bigsby specifically to do that, you've got to take that shot on first down. If it goes for naught, you can do your fancy play fake play the next one if you want to. And... uh, even that would be more likely to be successful if you spread your formation out a little bit. We had basically no one outside of the numbers on that attempt, so it was easy for the guys out wide just to shut Trevor down. Disappointing. Um, I, Dave, what were your I never thoughts
2: understand. on this? I, I, I never understand how, when you need one yard and you've got four downs, just run the damn ball. Yeah, run it up the middle four times. If yeah, you, you can't get times, one right? yard from four times, you should not be in
0: the Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you don't trust your offensive line that much, what were you doing in preseason? <laughs> oh, okay, so t- give us your thoughts on this one.
1: Oh, I mean, this was the game I picked to watch at 6 o'clock. And, I mean, if you look at it from a defensive point of view, you're loving it. You, you, you think it's, it's, it was great from both defensives. It was really promising. Um, every time Trevor Lawrence threw to Calvin Ridley it was either Calvin Ridley just couldn't make the grab or Trevor Lawrence just couldn't find him. And it was the exact same with Zay Jones, so it was quite, that was quite disappointing. But this game should be headlined as probably fumble. That's all you need to, uh, you need to label as because there were seven fumbles uh, in total in this game. Uh, three, two by Trevor Lawrence, one by Luke Fortner. Then on the Chiefs, uh, Kadir's Tony, He did recover it, but he still fumbled it. Uh, Creed Humphrey uh, lost it, and it was a turnover. And uh, Justin Watson and Richie James also with the fumbles and losing the ball. Um, Yeah, just to echo what was said about Travis Kelsey, uh, by Jake, I think it was, that uh, every throw to Travis Kelsey, and I mean every throw, seemed forced. If you throw to a fully fit Travis Kelsey, he's making at least six, seven, maybe even eight of them. But he's not fully fit. They've probably rushed him a little bit. Um Noah Gray is is a good tight end and I think they should have utilized him a bit more. Kadaris Tony was uh almost sad to say he was their best receiver in this game, which I think um Patrick Mahomes will be screaming for someone like Mike Evans to be traded for. But yeah, I mean I mean so some I think I think the Jaguars have a lot of work to do. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, one of his worst games, I'm afraid to say, but the pressure from Chris Jones and uh, I'd noted Carl Aftis as well was pretty immense. Um, and uh, I think you could also give um, give a lot of credit to the supporting cast because they really stepped up against that Jaguars offensive line. Uh, you know, and there wasn't much of a running game for Travis Etienne either. Uh, Trevor Lawrence managed to get one big run I think it was something like 18 yards uh, Trevor's 18 was 12 carries for 40 yards so he was just over 4 yards per carry they just couldn't get it going uh, and they put the ball too much in Trevor Lawrence's hand he may be a really good quarterback and he's been in the, the the league a couple of years but he's still a young quarterback and that's a lot of pressure to put on someone when you're up against the reigning uh, Super Bowl champions and Against one of, if not the best of all time, Patrick Mahomes, on you know basically in the same position on the other team. So Lawrence needs a bit of stability. He needs to just get. A, a, I think he needs to keep his focus a bit as well because I think he was forcing a lot. Uh, obviously Mahomes forcing a lot of passes in Kelsey direction. Lawrence was forcing a lot of passes in every direction. So um, yeah, uh, Christian Kirk uh, was pretty good. He he was targeted a lot, as was Evan Ingram, which obviously can't blame them. Or two, well, one's a very good wide receiver, one's a very good tight end, but he wasn't spreading it out enough. I don't think he was going to his favorite targets all the time. Whereas Mahomes was throwing it wherever he thought the ball was going to get caught. Basically, um, I'm pretty sure he targeted about twelve, thirteen receivers in total. Whereas felt like it. yeah, exactly. and, and I mean it, for, um. Trevor lawrence he was going to the most likely one on almost every single play which made it a bit more predictable so that's why they were only able to get nine nine points in that game it's a defensive master class from both sides Chris and welcome back chris jones because he was an absolute bulldozer uh in that game so yeah it's it, jacksonville they shouldn't be too disheartened but i think a lo- a, a bit of kind of unity on on offense Defence just carry on doing your thing and you will definitely at least have a winning record this year.
0: Yeah, it's it's a chastening on for Jacksonville, I think, because they were hoping they were they'd taken bigger steps than that. It feels mm-hmm. like if anything they've taken a half step back away from the Chiefs, and that's partly down to them not utilising their offensive weapons in a way that gets the best out of them. So I think the frustrating thing is it feels self-inflicted, the the reason they, they struggled in this one. Um yeah, um, shout out to um, Richie James for trying to catch a ball with his face mask. That was probably one of the things that cheered me up the most during this one. It was, uh, but even that, like muffed punt, recovered at like the fourteen. They still couldn't turn into touchdowns. Mm-hmm. It was just, uh, yeah. Like no
1: I, I, yeah I, the the vibes the vibes i got from that when i saw the replay in slow-mo was more kind of homer simpson dope vibes when that kind of bounced <laughs> off his helmet so yeah that that was I, I mean i thought that could have changed the changed the way the game was going to go but the the lack of ability to get that over the line uh was almost depressing about even from a neutral point of view but it wasn't the most exciting game by any stretch of the imagination uh, the, the only other thing I noted as well uh, was that I had the uh, stadium capacity as sixty seven thousand. However, there was apparently sixty nine thousand in that. So, if the Chiefs can get banned for health and safety reasons, I'm very happy uh, to advocate for that. So,
0: yeah, let, let's get an investigation started into that, please. <laughs> I think it was seated capacity, but they had some standing areas as well with a load of extras in. But you're right; lovely. there was a lot yeah. of patches of Chiefs fans there. It was. Big red splodges around the stadium in their teal out Sunday. It's uh, disappointing to see. I know some of the home fans are quite miffed about that. OK, so we move on from a Jaguars loss that made me sick to a Dallas win, which always makes me sick. 93,689 packed into Jerry World to see the Dallas Cowboys beat the Rogerless Jets 30-10 to in a fairly comfortable victory. Dave, talk us through it.
1: Um this 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 was awful this this was really awful to watch for for the jets. it was pitiful Zach wilson is just he's gone back to not even just his average Zach Wilson he's gone back to his worst zach wilson um because even though the Cowboys didn't have Brandon Cooks on their offense um they really only had c d lamb and a couple of kind of uh depth re- uh receivers they didn't really need Brandon Cooks in this one. Um, Dak did very well, but Zach Wilson throwing three interceptions in his first start. Uh, for for a while, but my words, the, the the Cowboys against Jets, it was men against boys in this one. Um, I I I I get the feeling that the Jets were so demotivated. Um, sort of. I, I think, well, I mean, arguably at halftime, they were still in with a chance. I mean, it was something like eighteen ten 18-10 going into the half, but the, cow, the Cowboys just, they, they looked comfortable. Uh, Tony Pollard didn't really get much going. Um, Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Michael Carter, non-existent, I'm afraid. T- between them, they were uh, 10 rushes uh, for 24 yards. So they they had no chance in the run game whatsoever. Zach Wilson, 12-27 of for 170 yards. One TD, which was magnificent by Garrett Wilson, but three interceptions as well. And he was taken down in the backfield three times. Um, So I was quite high on the Jets that they could maybe get up and challenge the Dolphins and challenge the Bills and keep the Patriots at bay. I'm... Now thinking that it's just going to be the bottom of the division again. Um, excuse me, but apart, apart I mean, Gar Wilson was targeted so much by Zach Wilson, um, that it was becoming unbearable to see because he, he was just not finding him whatsoever. Um, Tyler Conklin did very well. Alan Zard was a kind of bit part player. McCall Hardman returning was very good, but, um, that's pretty much it. I'm kind of, I'm clutching at straws here with just how bad uh, the 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 Jets were, especially their offense. And uh, yeah, ninety three thousand uh, coming in to watch this was they, they would have been very happy with the, cow- the way the Cowboys played. Dak thirty one thirty eight two touchdowns two hundred fifty five yards. He did get sacked once, which is a a, a very small kind of uh, potential. Yeah, consolation prize. But the Cowboys just march on. It was just easy pickings for them.
0: Indeed, yes. Uh, Anything to add to that, Jake?
2: Just a shout out to Brandon Aubrey. He worked his leg a lot that game. Five field goals, a longer 55, got his extra point. He he accounted for for more points than the entire Jets team put together, so at least there was some pop for for a field goal kicker. But yeah, it was just a very kind of poor game. You kind of all week talking about oh, you know, who the, the Jets going to sign and Carson Wentz and all these mediocre names like oh what about Tom Brady Tom Brady would not be seen dead behind that offensive line they can't protect their quarterback they can't get a run game going and any kind of hope anyone had after hard knocks or pre-season hoping Zach Wilson was going to have a, a renaissance Um, no, no they're rudderless or rudderless it's, it's the same thing
0: <laughs> yeah it was it's always going to be difficult against Dallas because their pass rush is ferocious but there's just there's not enough on that Jets offence to trouble the teams that are looking kind of playoff calibre and although the defence there in New York can cause a lot of problems if you're only putting up tens you're not going to beat many and that looked like what happened on the day and you know you say the, the the battle of two teams with one very concentrated receiving weapon. Um we've seen a bit of a drop off from Source Gardner, I guess, unless he wasn't paired up on C D Lamb and I don't see why you wouldn't put your stud alpha cornerback on there clearly wide receiver one. So C D Lamb had his way with it and yeah. Eleven of thirteen for 143 is a huge game, particularly if you're that much the standout wide receiver won, it's difficult to have that level of production against um quarterback ones in the the, the top eight echelon of the league, so shout out to Lam for stepping up to do that, and for uh, Dak for feeding him so well all game. Praising the Cowboys, that leaves a dirty taste in my mouth, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright, anything else to say on this one, or shall we move on? Jet's bad. Jet's <laughs> bad, perennially bad. Okay, in that case, we'll move on to perhaps the most controversial game of the week, certainly for some um, podcast hosts who are on sabbatical. 76,108 people packed mile high to watch Denver just fall short against the visiting Washington Commanders. Jake, what did you see in this one?
2: I heard of the phrase, a game of two halves. This was more of a game of two sides. They just really... Nobody wanted to take control of the game, or, or they had control of it and kept, kept losing it. I mean, the Broncos had a, t- a touchdown on the first three drives. That's the first time since 2010 they've done that. But that uh, they've lost back-to-back home games for the first time ever, I believe, which I find hard to believe, but also came up, so I'll say it. But the, the next four drives after those back-to-back-to-back touchdowns, 13 plays, fumble, interception, punt, punt, Mims, who was 2 of 113, wasn't thrown to again after the third possession. Just some very kind of questionable decisions um, for the Broncos and Sean Payton, in my eyes, kind of went away from what was working. Meant The the Washington Redacted, now Commanders, uh, rallied from 21 to 3 down. They ended up leading 35 to 24, kind of just shows what a swing in that game there was. And then we'll kind of get onto the the controversial moments of the fifty yard hail mary touchdown to Brandon Johnson via two Commanders defenders, which was very fishy. Just it was he was kind of pressure in his face, but the ball was about ten yards short, bumped off one Commanders player, and then the other Commanders player literally like parried it to the Broncos player. I would have been you <laughs> like volleyball the cornerbacks. Yeah, it was it was very peculiar, um, but it made for a very interesting end and then Cameron, uh, Cortland-Sutland was held before the ball was even there. It was a clear kind of flag. Flag wasn't thrown. Chaos in shoes. Broncos meltdown. Sean Payton meltdown. I, you know, one, I've, I've lived through it with the Saints, and two, I really do believe they should have won this game, and they threw it away with their play calling. I, I don't have too much sympathy. something. I kind of say that because Neos is not here. Um, it was the 100th career win for Ron Rivera, which was a great kind of a downside for me was Logan Thomas out with a concussion after Kareem Jackson just kind of threw himself into Logan Thomas after he caught the ball. He caught the ball, it was a touchdown, and then Kareem Jackson, who was rightfully ejected, and I would be surprised if he's not suspended, just kind of launched himself into him. It was very dirty to me, and just late, and made made very little sense. Uh, and Brian Robinson Jr. continues to kind of Flash and look great, 18 for 87 on the floor and two touchdowns, and then two for 42 in the air. And the, the Washington defense paired with Eric Bieniemy is just a a scary kind of process because Bieniemy has really got that offense and Sam Howell going, and then the defense with Young and Sway meeting at the quarterback. They've got seven sacks, five tackles for loss, four passes defense, hit the quarterback 14 times, had an interception. Had a fumble recovery like I say Chase Young and Montez Sweat meeting at the quarterback far too often for an offensive line's taste
0: Yes uh, Kareem Jackson has got a reputation of tackling like a torpedo and there's no arguing that that was an ejection and following on last week's unnecessary roughness as well although that one was a little bit more unfortunate with the way um, the, the receiver kind of fell into the tackle this one egregious and and rightly ejected and it left them with just two rest safeties and then one of those two got injured which is partly why the swing occurred i think that they were really struggling for uh, for capable players in that secondary but that's what happens if you leave yourself short of numbers when you in your in your match day squad anything to add on this one dave
1: i mean uh... I'm so glad someone's not here for this one because this this would be a ten hour long podcast uh, <laughs> if, the, if this was uh, on if he was on himself. But uh, yeah, this was a crazy crazy game, and just to just to put my own opinion out there, I I think Kareem Jackson should be suspended for quite a period of time uh, because not not only uh, did he cause a concussion to, I think was it Logan Thomas that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Logan Thomas. Yeah, he he concussed him. He didn't return to the game. Did Logan Thomas? And obviously, um, it was against I want to say Jacoby Myers uh, against the Raiders that he had uh, that caused the fifteen yarder in week one. Um, But yeah, it was that's two weeks in a row where there's been some sort of ridiculous, ridiculous outburst from from the guy and. Something needs to change because he's putting the the play the plays are done or there's no need for what he's doing. I think he's taking out his frustrations on the opponent and he's penalizing his team. I mean this that, that could have quite easily been um changed the outcome of the entire game. It's only two points between them. Um but yeah, that that Hail Mary, I just I, I couldn't even believe what I was watching. Well, just what a ridiculous play. Of the commanders Trying their hardest not to go two and zero for the first time in about twelve years, just trying everything, <laughs> just trying to hand it to the Broncos. They did it, and then obviously they thought that there was going to be a flag called on that play, but for some reason it wasn't called. And um, yeah, so I, I, I agree with what Jake was saying because I I watched the game in forty, and there were some very I I I feel like Sean Payton was hoping for. A a kind of surprise tactical approach to it because he was constantly um like jake said moving away from things that had worked previously but trying to see if everything was going to work so that was obviously not giving quite the results they needed uh i feel like russell wilson might be feeling a different kind of pressure this year because he was trying to force a couple passes in um you know, trying to obviously trying to play under Sean Payton's uh, playbook. He, he's still adapting to it. Uh, there was a a good few big big passes, big throws. He had three touchdowns, uh, but he had a pick. Like it could have been a couple more picks uh, in fairness. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, there were seven sacks. Uh, yeah, well, obviously some were our, our sacks because uh, Wilson was in the process of taking off or whatever. But they couldn't get Javante Williams going whatsoever. They had no run game at all which was quite disappointing. Other side of the ball, the commander's strength last year was their run game. Um, They didn't really utilize that in this game. Uh, Sam Howell stepped up, but yeah, I mean, there was 11 sacks between the two, so neither offensive line should really be given any kind of rest days because they need to be uh, worked, especially the Broncos one, because their uh, protection was pretty useless, uh, to say the least. Um, Apart from, I mean, these these kind of instances really eclipsed the whole game and were, were the standout in any regards uh, to the entire game. Uh, there was there was a couple uh, fumbles, but um, it was only the one that uh, Russell Wilson uh, made that that was turned over. Again, Justin Simmons, I I think is one of the best the best players in the league uh, at linebacker because he's just. Well, well, I mean, he, he he's a multi-positional player, to be honest. But he again, ten tackles. Um, Randy Gregory made an appearance and managed to actually get a sack for once. Uh, two sacks for Jonathan Cooper for before the, the Broncos as well. So I was quite impressed with him. He, he's more an edge, but uh, but he's only been a year uh, in the league, a couple of years. Um, but a seventh rounder that seemed to have stepped up a bit in the, in this game. So good for him. Where, where where do each team go from here? Commanders 2 0 for the first time since 2011. Broncos 0 2 again. Um, the Broncos just need to put the pieces together. They've got them there. But uh, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, the, that NFC East is definitely the best in the NFC, I think, because uh, three of the four teams are 2 0. New York, are, they shouldn't be 1 1. The Commanders shouldn't be 2 0, but they are. I. Uh, It's just one of those games where, okay, right, let's move on because the next few weeks are going to be a lot more difficult.
0: Yeah, there's some positive signs to both sides, I think. So the Broncos finally beat the Curse of 16. they got some decent passing going, but you're right, that seven sacks and Russell Wilson as your lead rusher is a massive cause of concern, and it's going to be tough to win any games with those two facts on show. So that needs tidying up if they want to turn the... uh, positive strides they're making in the passing game into wins the commanders they have that ferocious defensive line which really helps them and with Sam Howell stepping up and starting to look decent nice of Ron Rivera to finally notice um Scary Terry's back and looking scary their run game is fairly solid and reliable they're going to be a team that it's not easy to get past. You're going to need to be a good outfit to beat them. And you know that's an improvement on how they have been recently and should see them back on that sort of fighting for wildcard slots um, when the season's over. And you know, good luck to them with that, I guess. All right, so moving away from Mile High, we go next to SoFi, where 74,742 people watched the LA Rams fall to defeat... 30-23 at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers. Dave, tell us about your game against the Nemesis. No, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs>
1: know, it was, uh, do you know what? We were, we, I, I, I enjoyed about uh, three quarters of the game because uh, the, Ram, the Rams were doing very well. Uh, However, I'm going to be seeing Isaiah Oliver in my sleep, in my nightmares for weeks to come, because he was just brilliant. He he was absolutely brilliant, and it doesn't help that he's not one of the kind of standout, usually, uh, players on that San Francisco defense. It's usually like Dre Greenlaw, it's uh, Fred Frankie Warner, uh, Chavarius Ward, you you know, uh, Hufanga, those guys and some... Unknown, highly paid uh, bossa, as I like to call him, who's just a boss at that uh, on on that edge. Um, yeah, we did okay. We did okay, but you know we we lost thirty points twenty three. Uh, just, I mean, P- Pukunuku is just what what a, a fantastic draft pick. He's been a fifth fifth rounder. I mean, he's just breaking records left, right, and centre at the moment for, for uh, rookies. Matt, Matt Stafford—he had a good game, but he had one very bad pick uh, in in the game, and he, he well, he had two, but one was extremely his fault. Um, there was also a couple dodgy refereeing decisions. Uh, I won't go into uh, all of them because that will take some time. Um the one that kind of stood out was a uh, intentional grounding. Where he was waiting for, I can't even remember which player it was, uh, to run into the space where he was pointing to. And then when he threw it and the player hadn't moved, it was called for intentional grounding, which was obviously lost downs and a big penalty. So, yeah, it, it was one of those games where if you're a 49ers fan, you're, you're kind of thinking, well, that was the right call. If you're a Rams fan, you think that's just absolute. Anyway, um, yeah, it's <laughs>
0: well look,
1: we have the we have the building blocks for something very successful. The problem at the moment is that they are all kind of raw pieces, and we still have no Cooper Cup. We have no wide receiver number one. Uh, Tutu Atwell has been surprisingly fantastic. Uh, Van, Van Jefferson was shocking. Um, I think th- he was he was pretty. Well covered for the majority of the game. However, he when he when the ball was thrown to him and he had a couple chances for catches, he didn't make them. And you've got to be making your catches. Puka Nakua was targeted twenty times in the game, twenty times, and he he caught fifteen of them for one hundred and forty-seven yards. Just uh, he, he's been brilliant and he's he's stepped up so I, I think um, Van Jefferson has a lot of work to do if he's going to have any chance of staying in that kind of first three wide receivers once he's back because Tutu Atwell has really stepped up as well um, Cooper Cup's going to walk back into this team when whatever hamstring issue is sorted we didn't see Cam Akers surprise surprise Cameron Williams is decent but again I think he's at best, average. I, I, I'm not overly impressed with some of the things he's done, uh, but I was I've been really impressed with um, on, on defense. Ernest Jones, uh, Byron Young is proving to be a good leader. Aaron Donald was triple covered on a lot of uh, plays, which is just not nice to see. Uh, and Byron Young got a sack as well, so that was quite good. But that that 49ers defense was ridiculous. Um, the offense, Chris McCaffrey, just doing his standard things, but we. We were okay for the majority of the time with in the uh, defending against the run game but those couple big plays were what really cost us and of course there was the kind of uh, tush push with uh, Brock Purdy getting in for another t- for a rushing touchdown but he was pretty uh, like a standard Forty ers quarterback but that's been there for the last couple of years just doing the bare minimum and being very successful at it so um yeah, the I'm less Just enjoying the, the fact
2: that there's no no whistle this week because Neos is not here to, to be on the the purdy oh,
1: train. I, look, I can't even see. No, I I cannot oh, even see what I would do with that whistle right now because oh. I I am not in any mood after that game uh, to listen to that thing. Which we, in fairness, on Discord we can't hear it, but uh, you know, on the podcast when we have to listen back to that garbage whistle, uh, we still have to hear it. But yes, the Rams are one and one, which is probably better than what I expected at, uh, at the end of week two. And we really pushed the Forty ers uh, all the way to the end. So we—I I mean, at, at this point, it, it just is what it is. But the fact that eighty percent of the crowd were Forty ers fans is was depressing to see. And the Rams had to have a silent count, and not the Forty ers says a lot about. You know, I don't care. what It says a lot about it. it, it it's just depressing to see. So, and I'm relocate into <laughs> It's. I mean, we we've got the nicest stadium in the league, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, apart from that, we don't have much else. But we want. You know, it I was polite reminded by one of our former work colleagues, uh, who I just. I have no time for now. After his Forty Nine er digs at me, uh, that the, you know the last time that we won. Our game in regular season against 49ers. even COVID wasn't a thing. Um, I can't remember. I, I, I'm not even sure that he was born. The last time the 49ers beat us in a kind of a game that mattered, really. You know, late late in the season. So, yeah, big shout out, Innes. Thank you so much for tagging me in a big pile of nonsense on Twitter. But I'll I'll leave it over to you guys. And uh, yeah, they just let me cry for the next couple of minutes.
2: Okay. personally, the, the Rams have been one of the surprise packages of this year. I fully expect them to kind of just eat the poop, um, kind of fade away this year, be top five, top ten pick, not do much and kind of recharge. And the fact that Aaron Donald signed back on and Sean McVeigh signed back on should have been a, a sign to someone like me to say, no, the, the Rams are going to be better, a lot better than we think. And they had significantly more possession. They outgained... The 49ers, they had more first downs than the 49ers. It did just come down to kind of late turnovers, and the 49ers just kind of have a way of winning at the moment. I don't think there's any shame in the Rams losing this game. I don't think it, anyone not biased would have picked them to, to, to win the game. And to, I mean, only lose by seven sounds weird, but to, you know, to run the 49ers close, I don't think there's any shame in that. And I think for, my, for me anyway, personally, that the Rams are a better team than I thought they were. And going forward, I will certainly have to show them more respect, you know, in terms of what I think of them, you know, that I can't just assume, okay, the Rams, they're going to lose because they have shown that they have weapons and they're making weapons. And even if they only have two running backs, they'll say, we don't need one of them. We'll just use the other one. And they just make things work and they have a, have a way of kind of define expectations.
0: Yeah. The Rams have been better than I expected on both sides of the ball in both games this season. And that's, Partly due to how my low my expectations were at the start of the season. But they kept a very good 49ers side honest in that one. And if any side coming out with a loss can be heads held high, thinking that was a decent effort, and we, we did ourselves proud there, it was the Rams this week. Um, more room for positive outlook than uh, negative depression there, certainly with some of the rookies they've seen. It's good that they've been... Patient with Atwell and started to really get the most out of him, stepping up into uh, Cooper Cup's shadow. So,
1: yeah, I think we, we, we did. Understand. We did actually shut down Brandon Ayuk very well because he, he mm. we we saw towards the end of last season and week one how lethal Ayuk can be. Uh, we did very well shutting him down. Debo uh, was unfortunately up against uh, one of my least favorite players in Darren Kendrick, who is uh, <laughs> about as quick as an offensive lineman. So uh putting him up against Debo was one of the most ridiculous decisions I've ever seen in my life. However, um yeah, I, I I'm I'm very I'm a lot more positive than I was a couple of weeks ago and I still think that we have one of the best prospects at cornerback in Kobe Durant uh that I've seen at the Rams. Uh obviously of young, except from uh, Jalen Ramsey. But uh yeah, Kobe Durant is definitely looking like a very positive addition uh to this team. So as long as we keep, as, uh, if we can build on this, I'll be very happy. Um, and I will also be very happy if Joe Burroughs sits
0: out next week. Indeed. So the Brock Purdy train rolls on. <laughs> and so must we to Foxborough, where 64,628 fans watch the New England Patriots come up short, 17-24 to 24 against the Miami Dolphins. And whilst the Pats never had a lead in this game, I thought they hung in there really well to take any advantage that they could of Dolphins' mistakes. They could good on defence and special teams, they kept Tyrick Hill fairly quiet, but they just didn't have enough on offence to uh, keep up with the Dolphins and ultimately fell short in basically a way everyone, I think, expected, apart from maybe a slightly wider margin of victory. Thoughts on this one, Jake?
2: My thoughts are two-a-time is real. He's 5-0 against Bill Belichick. Raheem Mostert going 18 for 121, two touchdowns. The Dolphins getting back-to-back road wins. Um, but yeah, I'm still left thinking, even though it's back-to-back home losses for the Patriots, I'm still left very much like the Rams, with a bit more respect for the Patriots than what I started out with. I didn't expect anything from them this year, I think. Pre-Aaron Rodgers' injury, everyone pretty much had been like, oh, yeah, there's a great division between the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Jets. Oh, yeah, and the Patriots are there. Uh, but their offense has been very good. Their defense has been fairly good. It just uh, Mike Jones, I think, was 8-for-8 eight eight when uh, the rookie, DeMario Douglas, fumbled, leading to a, a kind of early deficit that they didn't seem to recover from. It, it's just really mistakes that I feel like are hurting the Patriots. The, the Dolphins.
0: Who'd have, thought? Yeah. Who'd have thought that Mac Jones would have 90 plus passing attempts in the first two games of the season? That is not how I saw the Patriots offense squaring up for the first two games.
2: No, I think this is a, a key game where the record doesn't reflect the team. They've played the Eagles and the Dolphins. There is no one in their right mind that really picked the Patriots to win either of those or be close in either of those. I mean, they're down 17-3, to 3, and they have a nice drive, and then Javen Howard just jumps the route and picks you off. It, it can kill teams, and they still got back within one score. Um, for Miami, though, they had nine different receivers, six different rushers. Uh, and my final part and thought before I hand over to Dave is that I just picked the wrong cornerback, the wrong rookie cor- uh, cornerback for my defensive player of the year, Christian Gonzalez. Um, who was kind of a toss up for me, and, and the one that Dave kind of pointed out, like maybe hit this one and said, Well, that's kind of showing. He, he's playing lights out. I think he's like the third best quarterback, uh, cornerback in the entire league moment. Uh, and he, he got another, or got a pick um, this week. So I think he's kind of leading the way. And if I could change the, the cornerback I chose, it would, it, I would. I would go back and change it.
0: He's shown very promising early signs, Gonzalez, it's true. Dave, what were your thoughts on this one?
1: Well, I think the Patriots should consider dropping Kendrick Bourne and putting in Cole Strange at wide receiver. Because I thought at the end of the game when they were lateraling that Cole Strange had got over that line, but it turns out that he probably didn't. Uh, I think it was the TV camera's fault at the end there. But yeah, Mac Jones was very... I, I really liked Mac Jones in this game. I thought he was very competent. Tua had moments where you can see that he's just not quite the finished article. I, I think it was a nice way of putting it. But Christian Gonzalez was the standout of this game because he gave Tyree Kill a very... Uh, I, 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 I'd say he brought him back down to earth a bit. Um, Jalen Waddle had a, a couple big... Uh, plays but um, Tyreek was targeted nine times by Tua and he only completed five of them and one of them Christian uh, Gonzalez made a fantastic interception uh, to pick it off so yeah it, it was it was one of those games where the Patriots could really get the run game going and we know that the Patriots way is to base everything off the run game and you know have a good strong run game but it was the opposite because the Dolphins had that good strong run game because they were so focused hmm. on uh, to his weapons, basically, with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Braxton Berrios. Um, that Raheem Mostert was able to get a, a, a couple very good runs, and he got two touchdowns from it as well. So there's a lot of promise for the Patriots, which no, no, none of us really saw uh, coming into the season, but it's there. We can see it. Um, Ramondre Stevenson was pretty good. Uh, I think that he's uh, – I, I mean, he, he was good. But he just could he, he what should have been like kind of two three yard losses turned out to be two three yard gains instead. So I thought that was quite good of him. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott five carries for thirteen yards didn't do that much. I'm afraid. Um, sure. So it's going to be interesting to see how he progresses in the league. But apart from that, it was it was a close game. But the Dolphins just had that slight step too far in the end for the Patriots. So one's two and oh, one's zero oh and two.
0: Yeah, the fine margins. I think the Dolphins are quite like the Bills in that over recent years the missing piece has been a good rushing offence to balance up all the um, passing weapons and if they can get that on a regular basis that will step them up as a threat in the upper echelons of the uh, AFC. So yeah, looking increasingly threatening the Dolphins but more positive signs for New England than anyone expected in the early goings of the season and uh, I, I don't like to say that in the slightest but here we are All right we move to our final pair of Monday night fixtures and it feels weird saying that as well uh, Bank of America Stadium 72,709 people saw the New Orleans Saints beat the Carolina Panthers 20-17 to 17 in their own backyard so Jake tell us how this went for your boys
2: I would, I'm sure I'll get your opinions, but I, as a neutral, I can't imagine this game was fascinating to watch because I felt both <laughs> teams' play calling was just uninspiring. It was quite frustrating at times for, for both teams. Uh, the Saints' offense just continues to sputter, uh, and we just rely on big plays. Uh, Chris Olave and Michael Thomas both had great catches. Uh, we still rely on the, the speed of Shahid, and you can only kind of get away with that for so long. Uh, for the Panthers, just miscues, penalties, mental errors costing them. Um, fourth and inches, they had a false start. Bryce Young had to get pushed by Mal Sanders to the center because he was lined up behind the right guard. I mean, it was just okay, a very... It's just that. yeah. It's a very ugly and confusing game. Uh, I'm talking about ugly. The interception from Carr was... Disgusting. Um, The Saints' defense continues to just absolutely ball out. That's um, 10 straight games with 20 or fewer points. The next up on that list are the Cowboys and Bucks, who have two. Um, So it just really does show how good that defense has been as of late. The questionable decisions for the Panthers... I genuinely think the Panthers should have won this game, especially late. Even though the Saints looked in control... Uh, just some really questionable decisions from the Panthers. I mean, they took a huge sack. It was third and three, uh, six minutes left, down, down a touchdown, a, a huge sack, um, and then just kicked a field goal. For me, that was fourth down territory, third and three, maybe try a pass play, maybe try a run play, go fourth, you know, get a touchdown. To take a huge sack meant they had to take the field goal. Um, then the Saints went up and got a touchdown. It was... It was just an odd game, and if I was in a neutral, I would not have enjoyed it. And, and both Monday night games, and no, we'll talk about the next one, seemed to be <laughs> the same. They were just anti football, it felt like. And my final kind of part and thought is that prevent defense is a war crime. I yes, absolutely oh, hate off. it. Absolutely hate it. I mean, Bryce Young's um, stats are not great, and most of them came when prevent defense, we just kind of let them marched down the field. It was it was a choice by us to just say, yeah, you can come down the field. And Jonathan Mingo got the ball and he could have scored a touchdown. And he just ran out of play. I mean they they scored anyway, but it just blew my mind as a Saints fan watching a Panthers player have a clear opportunity to score a field goal, about minute twenty left, get a two point go for the onside kick. But he ran out of play. And I was like, wow, I would be a bit concerned if my offensive playmaker just decides not to score a touchdown. Um, Adam Phelan stepped up, though, scored the the touchdown, converted the two-point play, even though he wasn't even designed to catch on the the play. He threw a block, realized the play was dying, and kind of just threw his hands up and said, yeah, I'll take the ball. Um, So yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys talk about it. Very uninspiring, very concerned about the offense. Very bad game. So, Dave, did
0: you ignore this game as little as Jake is expecting you to have? Uh, I'm trying to find a positive. I mean, I, the only way
1: I can sum it up, and I, this is by no means anything against the Panthers or the Saints, is that when it was on live, I fell asleep. When I was watching it in 40, I fell asleep. So if that doesn't <laughs> sum up exactly how this game went... Um, yeah, it, it it pretty much does. Um, I think the Saints. I, I think the, uh, Jake's been a little bit unkind to the Saints because I think they did enough to win it. But the Panthers' mistakes were uh, what cost them any chance of this game. To be honest, uh, Bryce Young he's a, he's a good young uh, prospect of a quarterback, but uh, I think he was uh, the the about the amount of punishment he was taking from um, the Saints' defensive line was a bit, and you know he was constantly being hurried. Um, he was he was sacked what, four times? I think it was uh, yeah, and and just there was uh, numerous uh, hurries as well. But yeah, I think I think it it says a lot about a game when the, there was two instances that really kind of uh, were the highlights, and one of them was uh, the injury uh, that occurred um, to Shaq Thompson. I'm afraid uh, who's who's out for at least the year. Um yeah, I'd won Bright's part for the Saints. I thought their offensive line was a bit better. Um I think Trevor Pennington was was, tre- well yes, Trevor Penning was better than what he was week one anyway, because I thought Trevor Penning was a huge liability in that week one game. So um yeah, they've done a lot better in this week and yeah, apart from Chris Olave's that, that, that was a brilliant catch, what he managed to do there. Um and it was a one-handed juggle, juggling catch, which was amazing. Michael, there was a bit of um, commotion between Michael Thomas and one of the uh, Panthers' defensive line, linesmen at the end of the game. I think it's more the just ground, handbags. Yeah. yeah, it was more just handbags than anything else. But yeah, it's it's a game that both teams will be quite eager to put behind them for different reasons. But um, I think the Saints did well to shut down uh, the run game of the Panthers, which I think with a rookie quarterback. Uh, behind, uh, they were almost forcing Carolina to put it in his hands a lot more, so I think that was quite well done by the Saints, but um, the Saints didn't have much of a rush game either because uh, Jamal Williams going out and then uh, Tony Jones coming in, he did fairly well, although not getting huge yards, he still managed to get in for two touchdowns and Taysom Hill did very well uh, when he had the ball, so I think that was a mistake by the Panthers to let Taysom Hill have so much freedom Uh, when he's coming in on a play, focus on Taysom Hill because there is a sole purpose that he is one of the huge involvements in the play. I know this, and I no offense to the Saints, but I only watch about two, maybe three games of theirs a year. And I know that when Taysom Hill comes into a game, he is going to be one of the sole reasons for that play occurring. So, they need to approach that. They need to focus on him a bit more. But uh, the the bright spot for the Panthers is I was quite happy to see Adam Thielen having a really good game with seven receptions. But apart from that, Saints move on and they're 2-0. So it's promising for them uh, in a division that I think is actually going to be quite tight, uh, especially with the Falcons with a 2-0 record and the Bucks with an even more surprising 2-0 record. So, yeah, positive things for the Saints.
0: Absolutely. I think... Um the the thing that stood out for me in this one was Bryce Young looking quite slow in his decision-making, and that's understandable for a guy in his second game out of college, but it's a concern for a number one pick to be um, be playing like that and to be uh, kind of missing targets and, and bringing pressure on himself in the way that he did in this one, and it's ultimately um, a good part of why the game was lost. You're right about the Hill, like, um, nine times out of ten running, one passing, so you should know what to expect and you should be able to shut it down better than they did, um, particularly given that the defensive line and the linebacker seems to be a strength of the Panthers. I would have thought their weaknesses are more kind of outside corner um, and maybe the uh, Alave um, receiving yards is testament to that. It's... A nice resurgence we're seeing from Michael Thomas as well after a couple of years in the wilderness, which uh, should send worrisome signs through the rest of the uh, Saints' opponents because he's the sort of kind of big body target. It's really hard to stop if he can box people out. It's uh, not the sort of play you want to see coming back into form if you've got to face him. So uh, yeah, more more positives for the Saints than the Panthers in the short term, and the, the Panthers will be hoping that that. Um, steep rookie quarterback learning curve can be progressed quickly for Young I think alright final game of the week we head to the Acrysture Stadium where the Pittsburgh Steelers just about saw off the Cleveland Browns 26-22 in front of 67,576 people And, wow, this was one of the ugliest games I've ever seen. It was riddled with offensive mistakes for both sides, as well as injuries for both sides. And the Steelers won despite generating less than 300 yards of offence and only six offensive points, if we count um, field goals or special team points. There was two um, defensive scores to the one uh, 71-yard George Pickens touchdown but they won the turnover battle 4-2, to so that maybe tells the story of the game. And, um, yeah, it's not one that was a pleasant or um, entertaining watch the neutral, unless what you like is people absolutely hammering each other. Um, shout out to Gunnar Olszewski for doing one of the worst bits of... Uh, yeah kickoff fielding I've ever seen managing to keep a ball that was going out of play in play and cost his side 30 yards and he was rewarded for that by getting absolutely obliterated on a screen pass which was bafflingly ruled as a fumble despite the fact he was nailed basically instantaneously to catching the ball which isn't how I thought the uh, reception was supposed to work but Yeah, I was fully expecting that to be ruled uh, an incomplete pass, and it wasn't. It was uh, a turnover for Cleveland, but that wasn't enough to help them over the line. Uh, Dave, what were your thoughts on this one?
1: Um, Yeah, I I mean, it wasn't a game I particularly enjoyed, uh, but uh, I think TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith deserve a lot of credit in this game. Um, But also a big shout-out to Nick Chubb, obviously, with a a career-threatening but season-ending injury. Uh, to his knee, so um, yeah, the, hopefully he gets better soon, and I, I think the Browns are really going to need it, because Jer- Jerome Ford did really well stepping up, including that massive 69-yard run uh, for him. Elijah Moore went missing uh, in that game, because he was targeted nine times, and he only got three receptions. Um, Amaya Cooper, did; he was re- very uh, reliable, seven receptions, 90 yards, 10 targets. On the other side, George Pickens had a big one for 71 yards, but out of ten targets, only getting four receptions, it's not ideal. Um I'm trying to think of other positives that I saw. Uh obviously the, the pick six um that happened. So that that was that was fairly positive, I think, from the game. But Kenny Pickett <laughs> was not positive in this game whatsoever. I I thought he was very very dodgy, even though I mean he, he liked to go for the big bomb. Uh, quite a few times down the field, Najee Harris. I, d- I don't. I don't know if it's a Pittsburgh offensive line or it's just Najee Harris because this happened last year as well. He just wasn't good enough. He had one, I think it was 20, 20 odd yards uh, rushing attempt, and it, without that, he would have been nine carries for twenty yards or something. So, um, yeah, Najee Harris needs really needs to up his game because he's struggling at the moment. Uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, a couple sacks. He did stay in the pocket a lot more than what he usually does, but Sean Watson on the other side. Oh, he was awful. Wow. And it, it it pains me so much to say that. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, it, he was 22 of 40 for 235 yards, one TD, one interception, but he was sacked six times. But I, I do want to read you a little kind of early bonus random stat in that. Baker Mayfield now leads Deshaun Watson in seven key quarterback metrics in passing yards, touchdown passes, yards per attempt, completion percentage, passer rating, penalties, and interceptions. So I think that Browns have made a horrific decision there by getting Deshaun Watson in after he missed an entire year from his ban and he's not come back very strong at all. Uh, he's, He's been pretty... Rubbish in these for opening two uh, weeks, as far as I'm concerned. For someone that's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, it's just that's a joke. It's, it's shocking, but um,
0: yeah, no I, mean, I, th- I thought he looked just- better in this one, but better from a very low bar. And you're right; the one um, category he leads Baker in at the moment is number of defensive players' heads tried to pull off, which is not something <laughs> no. you really want to be shouting home about. Yeah. yeah, it was a it was a a display befitting of the game for Watson, a pretty, pretty ugly one. And Kenny Pickett, if he keeps ignoring George Pickens and not targeting him, he's gonna end up like Geno Smith with a broken jaw at some point because you could see the receivers getting steamed as if they just ran routes and got nothing back from it all game. So I think yeah, I think when it, when
1: it, sorry, I was just gonna say when it came to Pickens, he was targeting him, but it was just not great quarterback play when he was targeting him whereas you've got uh alan robinson and jalen warren that that were there jalen warren got a few a few targets but uh yeah uh, alan robinson was kind of ignored for the majority of the game i mean he, he clocked up two receptions for 12 yards and he was only targeted three times so he's been brought in as like kind of wide receiver number two essentially and just not really utilized at all so I think there's a lot of work to do there, and I think they, they could do with getting Alan Robinson involved because when Rams, the Rams, the rare times we got Robinson involved, we had, some, we had a lot of success there because he's a big receiver um, and he can win a lot of those head-to-heads. So I think Kenny Pickett needs to really um, utilize the strengths of his receivers instead of just relying on Pickens whether he's free or not.
0: <laughs> yes, miss you eh Rob and uh, they missed Deontay Johnson obviously, there's some boots to fill there mm-hmm. Jake, have you got anything to add on this one?
2: Just, it was obviously overshadowed by the, the Nick Chubb news, um, but the Steelers regular season home record against the Browns is now 20-0, or 20 in a row, it's, uh, it's it's not a rivalry, it's just uh, an absolute beating uh, <laughs> but they had that, that, that touchdown drive which isn't even that impressive because it was just a catch and run uh, that Pickens made something out of nothing, 71 yards to a touchdown. Um, but that, they had nine first downs in the entire game. That would be a bad quarter for some teams. That was an entire <laughs> game. It was a very concerning. I mean, it's back-to-back big weeks for, for Jim Swartz, and I think this was just a tale of two defenses. My biggest worry for the Browns is they are 1-22 and under Stefanski in games where they trail by four points or more in the fourth quarter. Basically, they don't get the job done. They are the reverse Vikings. So <laughs> I don't know what's kind of going on. I struggle to have any sympathy because it's almost like Baker Mayfield wasn't the problem. And going out and signing in a terrible human being doesn't fix your problems. And he pushed a ref and then went into a press conference and talked about not remembering pushing the ref, which is really me to get. Deshaun Watson checked for CTE because he doesn't remember a lot of unconsensual touching, but that's that's kind of my part in part and shot.
0: Mm, that's a fair one. I did enjoy um, Mike Tomlin continuing his uh, streak of really terrible challenges. With a guy caught it, took like three steps in bounds. Well, his third step went out of bounds, and then challenged for And it's like it, it was clearly a catch, full speed first time. And then you watch the slow motion replay, where it's even more clearly a catch, and then you challenge it anyway? You're just trying to give your players a
2: breather, or what, Mike? Oh, that makes me sad that we didn't mention the the Patriots, the best. We, we go from the worst, uh, <laughs> <can't challenge>, <laughs> the worst challenge flag thrown to the best of the absolute disgust Bill Belichick had, as he didn't throw his challenge flag, he... he spiked his challenge flag and the face yeah, was defeated right the, of the official. <laughs> I thought he was gonna win that challenge as well. Oh, the disappointment fair. in his face of just like really you're gonna make me throw it? Fine. Have it.
0: And then do the classic refereeing justifying your questionable decision in the first place. Yeah. Double down. You wouldn't want to be the referee on that sideline. That would be a, a painful rest of your game. <laughs> cool. Well that wraps up all of week two's games in um, Good chunk of time actually. We've been talking for ages. It's been great. Last thing to do from this week's fixtures is the players of the week.
2: So, Jake, who was your offensive player of the week this week? I've gone for DeAndre Swift, uh 28 carries, 175 yards, had a touchdown, could have had three. Like I mentioned, they had the Philly scrum twice for a touchdown. Um, I'm really not a fan of running backs doing all the work and then not getting that touchdown. So I would have loved to have seen him have three touchdowns. Um, but as a consolation, he is my offensive player of the week.
0: I went swift as well. Was it a clean sweep, Dave, or did you pick someone else out? Uh,
1: no, absolutely not. It was not a clean sweep. Uh, and I think we we know where this is going to go, because it is going name to... His name's not with P. Uh, well, well, part of his name does, but yes. Puka Nakua, 15 receptions, oh, 147 yards. And it just is such a breath of fresh air in LA with two team, two very questionable teams that are currently there. But Puka Nakua, you, you you just have to give it to him. There's just not no if, if no, but to we don't. Reason, we don't we, we
2: clearly didn't.
1: It's, I mean, he was he was just amazing. He was amazing. He's so good that it's it just like Randy who more no I don't even know what his name is, but. It, it's <laughs> Randy Moss should change his name to Randy Nakua because the, the, this is—it's it, just—it's it, the reincarnation. It, it, he's, he's a mix of every great great wide receiver, that he, Puka Rice, whatever you want to call him. But uh, yeah, that—that's uh, Puka Nakua
2: definitely deserves this. So if you weren't sure, Dave voted for Puka Nakua. I'm, I'm really not sure if you got that. <laughs> just wanted to clear up any confusion.
0: Send your hate mail to Stornaway Boy and not to Let the WinFL show, win
2: win win please.
0: Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, so, defensive player of the week, I picked a guy who mentioned in the game just gone, Alex Highsmith, who really put up some good pressures and uh, just thoroughly impressed me all game. And with TJ Watt in that line as well, he gets overlooked, but I think he's really stepped up to be um, a threatening figure in his own right over the last couple of seasons. It's about time he got some recognition. Uh, Dave, give us your defensive player of the week.
1: Well, I, th- I had a couple, but I'm going to go for a, bit of a, sh- a controversial one. I'm going to say Chris Jones, because Chris Jones huh. tore apart the Jaguars, to be honest, and th- there was so much focus on him, and yet he still charged through that Jaguars offensive line and uh, putting pressure on poor Trevor Lawrence. So, um, yeah, I'm afraid to say I'm, g- I'm going to pick Chris Jones, even though I'm doing it reluctantly, but. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the other one that I was thinking of was potentially uh, Michael Parsons, who seemed to have gone under the radar in the Cowboys games. He still got, managed to get two sacks, but he, he was just terrorized. Again, the second week in a row, he's just terrorizing offensive lines. So uh, I'm going to give it to Chris Jones for this one. I'm very welcome back, and he
0: proves that he's worth the money. Absolutely, I just couldn't bear to think back to that game.
2: Mm-hmm. Any advance on Chris Jones, Jake? Well, prior to Monday Night Football, Chris Jones was my pick. But I am, again, in lockstep with self. I went with Alex Highsmith. Uh, the Steelers scored two touchdowns. He had a part in both of them. Obviously, he had his pick six. But for the TJ Watt scoop and score, the person that freed the ball was Alex Highsmith. He got paid this offseason. A lot of people were kind of like, who? Uh, is that, that's not Cameron Haywood or TJ Watt. And people are starting to realize why they paid him and, and what a player he is.
0: Absolutely. So let's go from defensive play of the week to the defence and special teams of the week. I went the Chiefs because we only scored nine points against them and it was horrific all day. Does anyone have an advance on the Chiefs?
1: Nope. I've joined you with the Chiefs I'm afraid that, that's why I was considering going for Michael Parsons for uh, defensive player of the week because I I couldn't get past uh, the, the Chiefs because that defensive unit um, has really pulled them out of a bit of a mistake ridden game on the part of the offence so uh, yeah that, that Chiefs defense was absolutely magnificent so Chiefs defense for me as well
2: I did go different I have the books they had six sacks five tackle losses, um, seven pass defense. They hit the quarterback 10 times. They had the two interceptions, the uh, Barrett pick six, uh, the Isian back-to-back interceptions. Barrett had had one of sacks as well. And then also the punter, Jake Kamada, four punts, long of 72, 52.8 average, and he pinned three inside the 20. So overall, I gave it to the books, kind of defense special teams.
0: Definitely worthy of a shout. And I like the fact we've got our third pronunciation of Izzy and into the podcast, and I think we have yeah, just really tried like to <laughs> trying it. to nail it. <laughs> yeah. You can't trust the commentators to get undrafted free agents' pronunciations right in week two, though, to be fair. So it could be any of the three we've tried. If cool. I throw it at um, the wall,
2: one of them's going to be right. Absolutely. Um,
0: do we do Rookie of the Week as well?
2: I mean, if you've got a, a, a designation for it, go for it.
0: I mean, I went for Puka Nakua for, uh, you know, I think you're right, he's in for a shout of Offensive Player of the Week. And if you don't give him that, you've got to give him the props for just being, looking like an established wide receiver one for his first two weeks of his rookie career when no one really expected it. Um, so, yeah, fair play to him.
1: I don't even need to say what my Rookie of the Week is. I, I We know <laughs> who my Rookie his of name? the Week is. Uh Puka Rice we'll go for that one I quite like Puka Rice uh, but, but yes Puka Nakua uh, the best wide receiver to come out and just much better than some Justin Che Joe Jake whatever guy yeah whatever but yeah the best wide receiver in the league Puka Nakua
2: and finally yourself then
0: Jake
2: no, we'll give him a clean sweep just to shut him up fair I think fair yes. he's, he's been
0: phenomenal yes Excellent. OK, well, that takes us to the end of the week two stuff and into the week three predictions. So I've got predictions via um, message from Neosa. I'll feed those in as we go and then uh, we'll go even then Jake and I'll try and keep up with the numbers as you throw them at me. We. we start with the New York Giants versus the San Francisco 49ers and Neosa thinks that that will be a comfortable 27-3 to 3 win for the San Francisco 49ers which is hard to argue with but Dave, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I've got 24 points to 10 for the Niners so just
2: a clean sweep
0: Jake? 27-13 well,
2: for the Niners
0: Big stuff there A much closer affair predicted with Tennessee t- heading to the Cleveland Browns he also thinks the away team will win that one 16-14. What do you reckon, Dave?
1: Uh, I, I was quite torn about this one. Uh, I'm going I'm to say that the Browns will come back in this one, but I'm actually going to say it's going to be 17 points to 13 for the Browns.
2: Yes. I'm also incredibly torn on this. I originally had down the Titans... I've switched, I've flopped, I'm going back to the Browns, I just believe in Jim Swartz and that defence, so I believe it's going to be a high-scoring affair of 13-10. to 10.
0: Wow, that would be a thriller minute. I mean, I guess the, the Browns picking up Kareem Hunt, and I can't believe he only got £4 million, given that they're basically desperate for his services, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, got to, that might help them over the line in that narrow affair. Speaking of which, Atlanta visiting the Detroit Lions and Neos has the Detroit winning that by 4 points, 20 to 24. Dave, what do you reckon in this one?
1: Oh, I think the Lions are going to get back onto winning foot, but I think it's going to be much higher, significantly higher score. So I'm going to go for 34 points to 31 for
2: the Lions. 34, 31, that would be a thriller. Jake, what do you think? I've, I've gone for uh, some... Uh Gap of uh, score, and I'm really not sure on this one. With the Lions' injuries and the Falcons proven to be better than I kind of expected, I still think the Lions will get it done 23 to 20.
0: 23 to 20. Very close to Osis prediction, then. I was the only one who picked the uh, Falcons for that one in my pickems. Mm. Another game that i think is going to be very close this week the new orleans saints visiting the green bay packers and neosa has the saints winning this one 21 to 20 dave what do you reckon
1: i think this is going to go to overtime this is going to be my first overtime game of the week and i think the saints get it done in overtime and i think Carr is going to throw it to a to make it 26 20 after overtime after 20 all in regular time
0: Excellent. I love the precision on that prediction. Jake, what do you reckon?
2: Not me crazy. I'm picking the Packers to win 10-9. to Until the Saints' offence prove to me that they can actually move the chains and be consistent, we can't keep relying on the defence. Prove me wrong, Packers 10-9. 10-9. to Woof. Wow. Well, that takes us
0: to the Broncos at... Dolphins, and perhaps unsurprisingly, this was the result that most raised my eyebrows when I read the message from Yosa because he has the Broncos winning this thirty-one to thirty. Do you agree with him? Uh,
1: no, I have a similar scoreline actually, um, but I think it's going to be thirty points to twenty-four for the Dolphins. I think they're just going to uh, they're going to see it out in the end. The Broncos will be driving down the field, and then something will go wrong because it's the Broncos.
0: <laughs> Very, very plausible. Jake, what do you reckon will happen in this one?
2: I'm all in on Tua. I believe in the Dolphins. Sorry, Neosa. I've gone 34 to 25. That's tough times for Denver.
0: And then we move to the Chargers at the Vikings, which honestly is two very similarly choky sides. Neosa has the Chargers winning this one 34 to 28. Dave, what do you reckon?
1: Oh, well, this was my second overtime game, so I think, it's, I think it's going to be 24-24 each, but I think a field
2: goal by the Vikings to take it 27-24.
0: Vic, what do you reckon this one's going to be?
2: I have it as a field goal game as well. I think it'll be very close, but I'm sick of the Chargers, um, so I'm going Vikings 31-28. <laughs> Both of you disagreeing with Neota, which if last
0: week's uh, results or anything to go by was a good strategy... A much less thrilling-looking game in prospect between New England and the Jets. And he also has this one finishing 19-16 to 16 to New England. What do you reckon, Dave? Uh,
1: 20 points to 10 to the Patriots. The Jets just are not going to win.
0: And Jake, what do you think the final score will be in this one?
2: Well, I love the defences, but I'm starting to believe in Bill O'Brien again and uh, his offence. I will go the Patriots 15-13. to 13.
0: Wow, that is grim sounding i had this one as a <laughs> 21 all overtime game with the patriots winning it by three we'll see how we go with that one through um probably gritted teeth next up buffalo visit the washington commanders and he also has the buffalo bills winning this one 22 to 16 dave do you agree with him
1: no i don't uh, i think it's actually Ooh. going to be uh fairly decent scoring game but only for the bills so i've gone for 35 points
2: to 13 for the bills
0: wow that's a big margin what do you
2: reckon jake i've gone 30 to 20 i do believe in the bills and there is a bit of a gap there but i I do respect the commanders and what they're building
0: moving on to everbank stadium houston texans visit the jacksonville jaguars he also has us bouncing back to a 30 points to 17 win and I hope he's right. What do the rest of you think, Dave? Uh, I, I think it, it will
1: be a win for the Jags but I think there's a lot of work to be done there so I'm going to say it's going to be at 20 points to 17 for the Jacksonville, and they just scrape over the line.
0: It'll be another Sunday afternoon of heart attacks for me then. High blood like, pressure, so I yes.
2: <laughs> uh, I've got the Jags winning 24 to 17 slightly uh, more relaxed but still don't, you know, up. I had 24-17 as well, nice Nice Checky, Taking
0: us next to the Ravens Who host Indianapolis And Neosa has them sweeping the Colts aside 13-30 to 30. Dave, what do you predict the final score will be in this one? I think it's going to be a lot closer than that, uh, especially with Gardner
1: Minshew coming back in, who seems to be Mr. Reliable, Mr. Stable. So uh, I think that the Ravens will narrowly, and I mean very narrowly, uh, win this game by 23 points to 21.
0: Wow. Coming to the Ravens from Dave, what do you reckon, Jake?
2: Don't ask me how I got this. Um, I don't understand the maths, but I've gone Ravens 25 to 16. That would, yeah,
0: okay. It's nice don't to find ask the maths. Nearly a there We totally. all love a Excellent. Okay, so moving swiftly on. Carolina visit the Seahawks next, and Neosa has gone for Bryce Young's first victory 20 to 19 to Carolina, which took me by surprise. Dave, do you believe in Bryce Young? No, but I
1: don't believe in the sea fraud, so I'm going to be picking the Panthers for this one as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a very tight game. I think it's going to be 16 points to 13 for
2: the
0: Panthers.
2: Wow. And Jake, what
0: do
2: you reckon? I've gone different. I didn't see anything from the Panthers on Monday night. That makes me think they can go win this game. I've gone 21 to 17 for the Seahawks. Indeed.
0: Excellent. So then we have... Oh, what I thought could be the kicking of the week. The Chicago Bears visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. Neosa has the Chiefs winning 39-20. to Dave, what do you reckon?
1: Well, here comes a shocker because I'm backing the Bears in this one. I think, <laughs> uh, I i just think that there's something is going to happen this week that is going to shock us all and that that is going to be this game. And I think it's going to be a very tight game. I think it's going to be 20 points to 17 for the Bears. That
0: is wild.
2: That's hey, outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> it's the largest spread of the week. 13 and a half points. If the Bears cover, I'll be impressed. I've gone 38 to 13, Chiefs. as a 42 to 10 win
0: for Dallas. I think I might have disconnected from the internet. Oh, you're back.
2: Yeah, I just,
0: there was silence then, 42 to 10, I was like, oh, oh. Sorry. I'll uh, run that link over. So, speaking of huge, we move to Dallas at Arizona Cardinals, and Neosa has Dallas winning this one, 42 to 10. Dave, do you think it will be that big? Do you think it will be Dallas?
1: Uh, I've actually gone for 45 points to 6 for Dallas. Uh, so, Woo-hoo-hoo! yeah, I think that's going to be an astronomical
2: score
0: monstrous. Jake, what astronaut, There. Eh, what galaxy
2: do you have the score in? Pretty similar. I've gone 31 to 6.
0: Big stuff. Arizona, brace yourselves. That's going to be eye-watering. Steelers <laughs> at Raiders. Near as the houses is finishing 26 to 21 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not sure this is an easy one to call, but Dave, which way did you put it? Well, apparently this is one of the most highly anticipated games in
1: Las Vegas because for some reason ticket prices are currently going about $500 right now. Uh, I have no idea why, uh, but I don't think that they're going to be rewarded for that because I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game and I think the Steelers are going to come away with it with a 16 points to 13 win.
2: Nick, what do you reckon in this one? Is well, it's uh, the joint lowest on the spread? Steelers getting one and a half points or one and a half points favourites. I've got them winning twenty to seventeen in a very close game, but I, I do see this going either way. 20
0: to 17 to the Steelers. Interesting. And then Sunday night football. This could be a stodgy one, but an interesting one nonetheless. Two two-0 teams. The Eagles visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Neosa's gone for the upset, I think, 23-19 to, to Tampa Bay. you agree with his prognosis, Dave? Very close, but not quite. Uh,
1: I think it's going to be a lot, lot more scoring in that game. Uh, I've gone for a 31 points to 28 game for the Eagles to win, but Baker to really show
2: what he's made of.
0: And that means, Jake, are you siding with Neosa's books or Dave's Eagles prediction?
2: Well, I'm unsurprisingly picking against the books, but I think I've been very kind to the NFC um, South, and I will continue to be. I have a lot of respect for the, the Buccaneers' defense. The Eagles are kind of slow and sputtering. They don't inspire me as of yet, so I've given them the win, but 18-17. to 18-17 to, to the Eagles. Very close. And then Monday Night Football, the
0: LA Rams versus the... Sh- oh, Cincinnati Bengals. I can't read my yes. own writing. Neosa has the Rams taking this 20-13 to 13, and it's a real battle of uh, form versus quality on paper of your team. So uh, Dave, I assume you're back in your own lot, are you? I am, but barely,
1: because I've got this as an overtime game because I'm not off work the next day and I know that they're going to torment me. But I think they will win it in overtime with a field goal and they're going to win it by 24 points to 21.
0: Third overtime of the week, we're in for a
2: treat. Eric, what do you think this one's going to be? If you had told me three weeks ago that we were going to have a clean sweep for the Rams over the Bengals, (laughs) I would have asked you to step off and topped. Stop taking the drugs you're taking, but I have picked the Rams to win 21-18. 21-18 to, to the Rams,
0: and I went 26-18 for the Rams as well in my prediction, so wow, four-way story. clean sweep. That is unexpected. Shocking. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, we're rapidly approaching 10 o'clock, so let's do some quick fire
2: random stats.
0: Who wants to go first? I will go. No, yeah,
1: Jake, go first. No, Jake, go first, because mine is just a, a, Rams, a big up Rams one. Oh,
2: surprise, surprise. Well, <laughs> Mine is kind of a joint one with Neo, So We were messaging whilst he's abroad. I'm sure his wife loves that. He's still talking to me about NFL whilst he should be enjoying his holiday with his wife. Uh, but I appreciate it. Uh, we were on the same wavelength. We were both talking about Justin Jefferson. My random stat was that Uh, He's become the first player with 150 or more receiving yards in the first two games in a season since Steve Smith Sr. in 2011. And he also pointed out that Justin Jefferson, in his short career, has 5,134 receiving yards, and that's more than any Bears wide receiver has ever had. Uh, The most receiving yards in Bears history is Johnny Morris with 5,059 And when you think of the NFL and its roots, and one of the kind of cornerstones on the NFL is the Bears, that is a very, very sad reading. Very sad indeed. Dave, tell us yours. Well, uh,
1: last week, um, Matthew Stafford uh, competed in his 200th career start in the NFL but that 200 uh, career start also was a record because he set the third all-time most passing yards in uh, someone's first 200 regular season games but on- but only just because he surpassed Peyton Manning in those rankings so uh, Matthew Stafford has 52,723 yards in his first 200 regular season starts uh, regular yeah regular season games uh, and Peyton Manning is fifty-two thousand six hundred and six. But top of that list, big shout out for the Saints, Jake Drew Brees, but on fifty-six thousand three hundred yards with a very credible Matt Ryan in second on fifty-four thousand. So yeah, Matt Stafford surpasses Peyton Manning for once in his career, uh, and yeah, gets a, a a place on a nice a nice tally anyway. So fifty-two thousand. 700 yards for Matt Stafford
0: in his first 200 games. And that is my random stat. Love it. Phenomenal. I think the only way that could be bettered is if that 52,723 yards was more than the Bears had in total in their franchise history.
1: Probably not far off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I heard a fact that surprised me. That this week one was the first week one where only one side... From the AFC divisional winners from last season, won. So the Chiefs lost, the Bills lost, the Bengals lost, and the Jags were the only team to win. And I thought, oh, I'll dig back through the archives and find the last ever season when only one side from either the AFC or the NFC, who won their division the previous year, won their Week One matchup. Would you like to have a guess at what year I had to get back to to find out the last time that this had happened? 76. 76. Any advance mm-hmm. on 76, higher or lower? Uh, I think it'd be slightly lower. Lower. I was disappointed to find out it was 2021. <laughs> the, <pack of> <laughs> and the Rams all you lost. Set me up. So I only had to go one year. Um, yeah, it's not as uncommon as you'd think. Or if it is more uncommon than you'd think, it's happened twice by chance very, very recently. And I didn't think that was enough, frankly, having only had to do one year's worth of research. So it was a bonus random stat. And the Jags took the lead 3-0 against the Chiefs. That was their first lead against the Chiefs in a decade. So I'll just heap a little bit of extra misery on top of my chips to uh,
2: finish Why the episode Why did you do off. that to yourself? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. It's the uh, masochism of the uh, 25-year Jags fan. So, Dave, Jake, thank you very much for joining us for this bumper episode. Thank same you time for, next week yeah. for more frivolity, I hope.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for uh, being our guest host on this one and, uh, you know, just borderline mediating us. <laughs> uh, no Broncos rants, but I'm sure there'll be many coming back through customs in the very, very close future.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Until next week, then, thank you for listening and uh, go well.